Hello, welcome to Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. It's media day. We've got a mega pod here. We're going to whip around all over the country, talk to all the reporters who were deployed everywhere. Um, and all the media days today, I'm here in Boston. I was at the Celtics Media Day. We're going to have a whole bunch more people coming on. We're going to start, though, in a secret bunker buried deep inside Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson International Airport, where he is on his way from Philadelphia to eventually tonight, Fort Collins, Colorado, to join up with the team that he covered today at their media day in Philadelphia. It's Tim Bontemps. For everybody listening and watching, uh, I think you've learned by now that Brian really likes travel. I, I don't know like he's ever been more excited than about setting up this room that I'm in at the Hartsfield Airport well, to do the pod tonight. Okay, here, here's 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 problem. Uh, we need a quiet room in the middle of Atlanta Airport at 9 p.m. <clears throat> Eastern on a Monday night. Okay, folks out there in uh, podcast land, where are you get in that room I'd and listen. listen to how. Qu- with Wi-Fi, we're quiet. Now and you see the, the way, excident. There it he is. For, he didn't even pay for that room. I took care of it, and I don't. Ooh. I just took. I just arranged it. That's all I'm going to say. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Don't say anything That's... else, Fontemps. I arranged it. <laughs> okay, That's I all won't. you need to know. I won't say a word. All right. That, that is a joining true statement. us. Joining us from Memphis, Tennessee, where he'll be hanging out with us. Fontemps is going to go catch his flight in a few minutes, but uh, hanging out with us on this uh, whole pod tonight is Dan McMahon. Howdy, partners. I am just. Hop, skip, and a jump off of Beale Street. I'm a hop, skip, and a jump off Causeway Street here in Boston, going from arena to arena. All right, Bontemps, you had an interesting one today. James Harden did not report. And what was it like over there in Camden, New Jersey, this morning when that uh, became became known? It was a strange day, I would say. I mean, we had... Somewhat of a sense last night this would be a possibility that he might not show up today, last night being Sunday, ahead of media day. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just a weird vibe because on the one hand, I would say this is nothing like what happened with Ben Simmons two years ago. Like that situation got pretty hostile between Ben and certainly Joel, other guys on the team. I think there was less of a belief, frankly, that Ben Simmons could be helpful on the court than there is with James Harden. I think generally – the mood around the team, and this is not anybody really directly saying it, but I think sort of the expectation is that at some point here in the next, I don't know, could be Tuesday, could be next week, could be before the day before the season starts, that James Harden will show up and will be around this team. And so there was this sense of sort of optimism and confidence about the hiring of Nick Nurse and – the fact this is, as we've talked about, a team that was very close to making the conference finals last year, a couple of minutes away in game six from doing so, and has most of the core of that team back and has a bunch of talent, has the reigning MVP of the league in Joel Embiid, who's feeling good. And then you have this whole controversy with James Harden, and you've got Daryl Morey talking about um, how hard the summer's been for him with how public this has been. And James Harden, you know, publicly calling him out and sort of defending himself on that a little bit while also not saying anything critical about James Harden and making it clear they want to have him back. And it it just made for a very strange mood because it just sort of everybody was sort of sitting there going, okay, like we're here and we think James will be here someday, but we don't know when and we're not really sure what's going on. And it's just kind of like everybody's okay with it. And I- you know, it's just, yeah. it was just a fascinating day. 
from that standpoint. I I thought it was interesting, Daryl Morey def- sort of defending the accusation that he was a liar. Oh, hey, how could you dare say that? I, I wish somebody would have asked my favorite sixth man of the year <laughs> candidate about that accusation because I know Chris Paul would have defended Daryl Morey's honor. <laughs> he said in well, twenty I years mean- of. He said, in 20 yeah, years of ahead. working in the league, I've always followed through on everything. Every top agent knows that. Everyone in the league knows. By the way, there's nobody who's worked for 20 years in the league who hasn't been who hasn't lied, just so you know, at it, that level. The, I mean, that was like 17 minutes into Daryl Morey's 18-minute <laughs> press conference that he finally, after getting asked a thousand questions about James Harden, he did finally defend himself. Like It was what, like four or well, five minutes before he even mentioned James Harden's name? Though. Well, that was, So that was, to me, the most interesting part. So <clears throat> Daryl and Nick Nurse, uh, former pod guest, were sitting up there, and uh, they had matching blue blazers on, and Daryl starts talking, and he's listing off Mo Bamba and all these other guys on the team. And he gave this, like, two-and-a-half-minute speech to start. And, it, you know, at one point, I should pull up the quote, but it was almost like he was trying to talk himself into – the situation that the team is in and trying to figure out like, how am I going to tell myself that well, while we're waiting for this guy to show up, like we still have a team that's good enough. And I'll just read this quote. Cause I thought it summed things up. We come in here. This is part of the quote, by the way, we come in here every day and feel like we're going to show the league that this is a team that can win. I understand there's a lot of skepticism out here right now. And I would just say that in years where there's actually optimism, like you go back a year from now and say everyone had a lot of optimism about this team People were saying, hey, there's a lot of optimism, but let's see you show it. Show it in the regular season. Show it in the playoffs. Obviously, we came up short, but in a year where there's a lot of skepticism, I think I would ask the same thing. Let us show you. Let us show you in the regular season. Let us show you in the playoffs. So I think I would ask for that. Now, Darren Morey works in Philadelphia. I think it's safe to say we know how fans of Philadelphia are. They're not exactly patient in the best of times. And I certainly think after the way this this team has gone over the past decade now where there's always drama and there's always controversy around this team. Nobody in Philadelphia is ready to be patient at all. And they're sort of fed up with this whole thing already from the jump. But that was what made it interesting today, being around the team, the players, Nick Nurse, Daryl, were all sort of like, yeah, like we think we're really good. And I think they believe James Harden is going to eventually be part of this team because there just isn't a trade that's going to materialize. And James Harden has said, He's going to honor his contract. So, mm. you know, well, we'll see. He's also happens. said he's not coming there when Daryl's there. So, like, yeah. well, so which, which, which I mean, James Harden statement do you want to believe? Listen, there's definitely a, a – there's definitely going to be at some point a, there's a friction there that we have to see where it ends up. But, I mean, look, we talked about the Sixers having this 25% payment in James Harden's contract. They paid the contract on Friday. Like, they didn't – you know, and at that point, they were not sure. Yes, yeah, by the way, they went with the, they went with the McMahon rule, and they paid on Friday. It cleared. Yeah. the check cleared, um, not with the letter of the law, which Bobby Mark said would have been paying today. Would have been paying today, right? Hey, James needs his money before the weekend. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I just to me, it just look the Sixers did what they were contractually obligated to do. But I just think in general, it sums up the way they've handled this entire thing, which is they clearly want this guy to come back and they want him to play for their team. And they across the board, they're going to try to do 
what they can to coax him back in and get him to play. Now, is it going to work? Is he going to show up and sit on the court Indian style and wait to get dragged out of the gym? I don't know. It's called but, nowadays to be uh, appropriate. It's called crisscross applesauce. Sure. You don't, you don't Either have a way, child. So well, you however, you wanna, however you want to, however you want to call That's right. However you want to call hey, he'll it. Be sitting, I don't he'll know be saying crisscross apple crown royal. That's where the hell he'll be sitting. <laughs> I just, it just was a fascinating mood today. Cause it, it just, it just, they just this like question hanging over the team and everybody was just kind of like, yeah, you know, like we'll see. But, and, and, and here's the thing, like all this, let us show you, let us like, who cares about the, Philadelphia fans and sports talk radio and media, blah, blah, blah. Nobody gives a crap. I don't give a crap about them. They can boo me and throw <laughs> batters at me. I don't give a crap. You don't have to show <laughs> them anything. You've got to show that seven foot MVP something, right? And whatever Embiid says, this is a big time prove it year for Joel Embiid, or you might be dealing with the worst case scenario of Embiid saying, I have tried, I have tried, I have tried. I've never sniffed the conference finals. I can't be patient anymore. That's the concern. Show Joel Embiid. Forget the fans. Forget the media. Yep. Show the MVP. That's what you got to show. Well, and real quick, let me just and clarify. It's hard to see. During- let me just clarify. When, when, when I, what I think Daryl was talking about with the lying thing was that he's never – promised a contract and then not come through. Sure. I don't think he's talking about how he, you know, may have okay. said something but in a negotiation. Has he, but has I he think that's what he's he talking would, about. or more specifically in one case would not be traded and then traded them. Who cares though? Like, listen, you don't have to pass a polygraph to be a general manager. That's absolutely like, it's right. It's not a job required. Well, and like, like I, I also, so, right. And that's ooh. why, I, yeah. And that's why I said it was not like he was sitting there for 20 minutes defending himself today. For the most part, he was just saying, yeah, like, we're just trying to move forward. We want James to come back. We're, you know, we're trying to figure out the best way for like he eventually got worn down into giving an answer. But it was not like he was up there picking a fight the whole time. And look, man, you make a very important point to bring up Joel. Now, saw Joel on the podium, saw very briefly after with our Cassie Hubbard, who was there. Um, ahead of the preseason game next week. Dwell's in a good mood. Dwell was not doing the Giannis thing and saying this team is not good enough. We haven't added enough pieces and we haven't done anything. Like, at least for now, he's not – he was in – it was a very typical Joel session today. He was cracking some jokes and said he didn't work out this summer and, you know, doing all the usual <laughs> Joel things. Point. But – well, he, I mean, he, he never is willing to say what he's working on in the off season. So he got asked about it and he said, Oh, I didn't work on anything. He started laughing. So like he, he was, in, he was in a very good mood. He's wearing a Phillies hat. He watched baseball a lot this summer. He was excited about the Phillies playoffs. So, I mean, look, we'll see where things go with Joel and the Sixers as the year goes on. But as of today, right now, there was a weird mix of optimism about what they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, Joel got uh, Mike Sielski from the Philly Inquirer brought up his tweet yesterday when he said the offseason was fun and Joel talked about how he was enjoying how all the fans of all the teams were having fun with everything that happened. But then Troel was talking uh, about that. Troel. Well, yes, but to the point about how he feels about the team, Mike then says, well, how do you feel about these other teams surpassing you and making these moves in the East? And Joel shot back, who said anybody surpassed us? And then goes yeah, on and, to say, and I would agree with that because they're already better than the Sixers. They didn't have to surpass <laughs> Well, 
that that be that as it may, his response was then, if I'm on the team, I feel like I've always got a chance to win. So at least as of today, media day, Joel is in a good mood and is at least for now on board with what's going on. And as you correctly say, for everything, all the noise in Philly, that's really the one thing that matters. Because the moment Joel is not on board, then there's problems. And at least as of now, he seems like he's happy. Well, the other thing is, is that the Philadelphia, we're, all, we're focused a lot on this year, as we should. But it looks like Daryl's setting up to be a cap space team next year. And the question is, what does that mean for this season? Is how much is he going to defend that position? How much is he going to protect that cap space? If James doesn't come, what are they going to do about it? Are, are they willing to take on money? Because they've been over backwards yeah. other than, um, you know, matching that offer sheet uh, that, uh, that Paul Reed got. They have not dipped into next year's cap at all. That cap sheet is very clean. They're not extending Tobias Harris. They're not extending Tyrese Maxey. Um, so are they, are they trading Tyrese Maxey? I haven't heard. We'll find out. There's never been a lie told. So I'm sure that <laughs> we will not be trading. Him. So that is something that is a secondary thing that is a, is important thing for the Sixers too, as they, as they look to deal with this. And so, um, you know, I kind of, in a way feel for Nick nurse here because mm. he's been given, you know, he's, he's coming in. There's a lot of plates spinning. And they've said, come on, take these, take these, uh, all these sticks and keep those plates spinning. And there's a lot of headwind out there. So um, I'm actually very interested to see what the frame of mind is for this team over this next three or four days, Bon Temps, while you're out there <laughs> in Colorado. Um, I suspect that it'll kind of be a breath of fresh air. They get past the, the drama of Harden, but what's the team going to look like? What's their pro? What are their yeah. prospects going to look like? Because um, ultimately, at the end of this, no matter what, they got to have a good year this year. Because even if Harden comes back, mm-hmm. let's say Harden skips Fort Collins because he doesn't want to be in Fort Collins for a week in in October, and he shows up uh, in next week, or he shows up the night before the opener. Mm-hmm. Then, let's say he comes back. Then still, what do they have? Because that's another thing. We're so focused on whether he gets there. What do they have when he's there? And what are they going to do about it? while he's there yeah i agree i mean i think nick is pretty excited about team that he's got he thinks he's got a lot of versatile talent i think you know going back to last year you know last year's playoffs i think he sees things that he can unlock in tyrese maxi i asked him about that today in particular he said look obviously the hope is james is here but if james is not here one of the consequences of that is that tyrese maxi has the ball a heck of a lot more just by default and there's a lot of things that can be positive from that. Because certainly going into next summer, let's say James coming back and plays well, you know, you talked about the two, you know, they have this potential two max slot strategy that's going to be built around Joel and Tyrese Maxey and then add two guys. And you're probably not signing a point guard in that case. You're probably going to have Tyrese Maxey and two guys that are point guards, at least um, from that standpoint. So I think there's going to be optimism there. They've got the Anthony Melton, who they can plug into James' spot in the starting lineup, who's an awfully good player um, in the short term while they're working out what happens with James. And the other guy I'm interested to see how things go this year is Tobias Harris, who Nick has talked about both on our pod and since then about he thinks Tobias can do more stuff than he had with the ball last year. I asked Tobias last about getting more opportunities with the ball. He couldn't help but smile and say, I think anybody would be excited 
to hear they're going to have the ball in their hands more. Talked about running pick and rolls with, with Joel Embiid. Talked about grabbing and going with the ball full court off rebounds. Like, you know, I think there there's going to be potential for him to have some extra touches and have the ball more after he averaged as few points as he had since his second year in the league. So that's what I mean. It, it, it just was a fascinating day because there was this just real imbalance between like a bunch of guys, I think, feeling genuinely optimistic about where this group is at. And then everybody also having to answer, well, what's going to happen with James? And nobody really knowing what's going to happen with James and when it's going to end or what's going to happen. So it was an interesting day. It is pretty crazy that how many straight holdouts have there been of star players in NBA history? It's not, I guess it's technically not a holdout. What well, is a holdout? Whatever. It's a holdout. If you're not showing up, it's a holdout. If you're how many of there, how many there been? There, there's not been that many. It's not like football. And it's now happened to this team twice in three years. Well, and, and James basically did it in Houston as well. Like he held out right. there. Now he didn't hold out until he got traded, but he held out long enough to rattle the cages enough to make sure he was going mm-hmm. to get traded but here's the thing it, it and bomb Tim's you've mentioned this many times totally different circumstances the market for James Harden at that point was as high as it could possibly be uh, McMahon McMahon froze up it's the the internet is against him but while well, I'll fill in for his point that that is the situation here like uh, Adrian reported it this morning Monday morning yes the Clippers at Sixers have talked there is no they're not, there's not a deal imminent. And, you know, we just got through months with the Damian Lillard situation, right? The Bucs needed somebody to step up, or not the Bucs, the Blazers needed somebody to step up and be willing to make a deal. And the Bucs emerged as a team who was willing to make a deal. And that facilitated them not only trading Dame to the Bucs, but then having Drew Holiday come back and be able to turn him into what they got from the Celtics, who we'll get to shortly. And then all of a sudden, you have this situation where they're able to get a lot of stuff. And the problem for the Sixers, if you're trying to, if you are, say Daryl Moore is like, I got to trade James Harden. I got to get him out the door. There's not a home for him. Like, I just don't, like somebody's saying right now, like, oh, the Sixers should just trade James Harden and just get it over with. Like, I don't think they should just send him out the door for expiring contracts. Like, that doesn't do them any good. Their best path forward is to try to get him to come back unless they can get, as Daryl Morey said today, enough stuff back in a trade where it's either high-end players that can help you win right now or enough stuff from a, an asset standpoint that you can get more high-end players in the future. And that kind of trade, either way, it's not available today, and I don't see the path to one being available between now and the trade deadline, frankly. Well, you never know what will happen, but I would agree with you it's not trading that direction. Uh, okay, well, we'll see what happens more. We got McMahon back, but we all, we'll see what happens more as this week unfolds. And I, I'm i afraid that th- this is going to be something that goes long. We'll see. Um, By the time we talk for Friday's pod, there will be uh, there'll be a lot more developments, I'm sure, in Colorado. So let's see how right. it goes. Okay, so Boston Celtics today. I was there. Uh, Drew Holiday got traded um, and was in um, – in the Celtics facility by 9 a.m. this morning. He made it a uh, quick work to get there. He did not speak to the media, however, because the physicals haven't all been passed. The trade is not yet official, even though it has been announced. But he thought it was important to be there for his teammates, to meet everybody, 
and start uh, establishing stuff. Um, I would say that the Celtic, the way I described it in one of the stories I wrote about today is uh, somebody shook the snow globe on the Celtics. Um, they have spent three months um, getting used to their new normal. And their new normal is no Marcus Smart, no Grant Williams. Whatever you want to say about Grant's role this last year, he was um, a very big voice in that locker room. Um, maybe not always a welcome voice, but uh, he was very, a, lot, a lot of times the voice of the team. Definitely was always a guy who kind of helped the guys together. Um, and they're pretty much the entire coaching staff had turned over. Remember a year ago, um, there's a coaching change with Ime Udoka and Joe Mazzula within, you know, what, two weeks of the start of training camp. So two weeks, uh, it was within three days. It was basically three the days. Same I, thing. Could, I couldn't remember yeah, was, exactly when I was. Yeah. It was essentially yeah. the same time frame as the Damian Lillard trade. Yeah. So last year they had this sort of, um, big shakeup right at the start this time it's a little bit different but say a whole new coaching staff so the players are getting used to that they're getting used to not having uh you know those guys who they were used to being leaders in the team they were getting used to a different style so everybody on the roster had been in for two weeks poor chris perhaps porzingis uh cleared to play on the, uh, his um his uh plantar fasciitis by the way he said the plantar fasciitis came because he switched shoes and I didn't get the information on what he switched from to two, but that's mm. why he, he couldn't play for Latvia because he switched shoes is what he said. Um, but anyway, he, he made sure he was in played for two weeks. They were working on the idea of playing with double bigs again. You know, they were going to go with, you know, you know, two of their three bigs were always going to be on the court. They were working on, you know, getting uh, Porzingis the ball where he likes it, which, you know, in Dallas, he kind of, Luca kind of wanted to stay out of the way, right? Like just cause you got an advantage on a switch, go stand in the corner. I'm going to go to the basket in Washington. They, you know, they would get him the ball a little bit more. So they were, were working on these workouts with, Hey, listen, when he gets in an advantageous spot, give it to him. You know, they're all working on this. They're working on spacing. And then bam, Drew holiday arrives. Now Emerald showed up. Bam. <laughs> right. They, all are excited about Drew Holiday. Brad Stevens is excited. Jason Tatum is excited. Jalen Brown is excited. They're all like, wow. I mean, Jason Tatum is like, um, I want a gold medal with him. Jalen Brown's like, he's one of the highest character players in the league. Every time he's ever guarded me, it's been a challenge. Brad Stevens is like, there's this little list that you guys, you always dream of being a Celtic, even though you, you don't know whether you can ever make it happen. He's on that list. We saw a chance. We went and got him. Yeah, we paid a lot, but it was worth it. All the way down the line. I talked to Derek White. I said, Derek, you were going to be the franchise point guard. Derek is telling a story about how Sam Cassell, the new lead assistant for Joe Missoula, comes out to Colorado this summer, spends days with Derek White, and they're talking about how you have to, this is what is expected of the franchise point guard. And this is how we're going to do it this year. And Derek White's getting ready for a contract negotiation where he's going to negotiate as the franchise point guard to get an extension. And now he's, sharing time as a franchise point guard with a guy who's also expected to get an extension. I asked him about that and he's like, well, whatever happens with the contract happens, I'm excited to have them, but come on, a lot just changed for these guys. So I think it's going to, well, there's a lot of excitement. I think the Celtics are a little bit shocked right now and it's going to take them a little while to get up on their feet. There's been an enormous amount of changeover. And here's the other thing. So Jalen Brown today compared 
losing Marcus Smart and Robert Williams to like losing friends that you went to like middle school and high school with. He's like, I was with Marcus for seven years. That's like middle school and high school. Mm -hmm. I was with Robert for six plus years. Rob, they call him. (laughs) Tatum was like, you know, it's really rough to say goodbye to those guys. Porzingis says, you know, I was here for two weeks and I really understand the charisma or how charismatic Rob Williams was. Like I get why everybody talks about him this way. So like, that's what the two things were happening with this team today was this, oh my gosh, uh, Drew Holiday is here. This is great. But man, um, we're dealing with a lot of a lot of stuff going around. So Bontemps, I know you follow this team a lot. I know you'll be up here um, very soon. Uh, Drew Holiday is going to obviously be motivated and all this stuff. I think they're going to be great. But just prepare yourself maybe for a little bit of a bumpy ride for the short term, I think. Yeah, I'm really excited to see the Celtics play the Sixers Sunday and Wednesday, Boston and Philly, and they play the Knicks Monday night in New York. Obviously, on the back-to-back, I'm sure a lot of guys are not going to play, you know, one of those games. But I'm excited to be around them for a few days to see them because, yeah, like, you know, you mentioned Marcus Smart and the relationships he has with that team. I don't know how many people are aware of this. We never talked about it in the pod. So Marcus got married a couple of weeks ago, and not only did Jason Tatum go to the wedding, Not only did Jalen Brown go to the wedding, Brad Stevens, the guy who traded Marcus Smart, went to the wedding. Wick Grusbeck, the owner of the Celtics, went to the wedding. Joe Mazzulla, the coach of the Celtics, who just got done coaching Marcus Smart, went to the wedding. Like the half the organization decamped to this wedding three months after the guy. Decamped. Well, it's one thing if he was That's still on the team. That's what James Harden's doing right now. He's decamping. <laughs> He's decamping somewhere. Uh, but, like, it'd be one thing if Marcus Smart was still the longest-tenured Celtic and the guy had been there forever and was the heart and soul of the team for the whole organization to be at the wedding. But, like, they were all there three months after making this seismic trade to trade the guy. Can you and imagine like, the pressure on Brad Stevens? You traded this guy, and now you're going to his wedding. You damn sure better bring one hell of a wedding <laughs> gift. You can't. <laughs> you ain't ain't going to be no blender here. I'll, I'll tell you. you I talked nice. to I talked to Marcus about the wedding during the playoffs last year. It was at a gorgeous resort. Um, in I don't know if it's in Dana Point or Laguna, in Orange County. Yeah, it was down. It was down there somewhere. The best thing. I know this place. The best thing Brad could have done was give him a check (laughs) (laughs) because because that I talked to him. I was like, I was like, Marcus, I know you're doing well, but that is going to be a pretty penny. He was like, "Um, yes, it is. is. Sorry. Yeah. So no, but yeah. So like that shows like the level of relationships that he had there. And you said it about Robert Williams. People didn't know this because he was in, in and out of the lineup and he was hurt and, you know, he wasn't, um, he wasn't always a, uh, you know, wasn't always the most public facing guy. It's not like he's Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Every guy on the Celtics absolutely loves Robert Williams. And like whenever they would talk about him the last couple of years, when he like, especially during that run, when Ime was there, when they went on that crazy run, it was all about how great Robert Williams was and how important he was to what they were doing, how much they loved having him on the court and loved being around him. And some of it's like McMahon said on the pod, uh, on Sunday night that he's a guy who does all the stuff that everybody doesn't want to do and does it with a mm-hmm. smile. But it's also like Porzingis said, like he's just a very outgoing, fun, charismatic guy. And Drew Holiday is one of the best guys in the league. He's won the time Twyman and Stokes award as the best teammate in the league. The fact that he made sure to be there at 9am today, you know, what 
less than 24 hours after getting traded there. I think part of that's he thought it might be a possibility that he'd end up there in the first place. But it's also, that's the kind of guy he is. And so they're getting a great guy in the door. But yeah, this team has undergone a really radical transformation over the past three months. And you look at all the winning the Celtics have done and all the success they've had, it's very rare a team that's been this good for this long would make this kind of change across the board the way they have. But I think that's a sign, like we talked about, of just how much this team has to take advantage of these next two years. And this is their window, and they have to go for it. And like maybe we'll look back at the end of the year and we'll look at this Drew Holiday trade and the Porzingis trade like DeMar DeRosa getting traded for Kawhi Leonard. And maybe it'll be the kind of thing that finally pushes this team over the hump. Or maybe it'll be, you know, they'll end up coming up just short again. But, yeah, I'm. this has only heightened my interest in seeing a team that I was already more excited to see than any in the league because just the fundamental personality changes on this roster, and including Grant Williams being gone, another huge personality out of the team. Um, honestly, like he was he, – it's, it's going to be really fascinating to see what they look like. Wendy, you said like Grant Williams' voice was a constant there, and you you mentioned sometimes a little bit much. Lucas said pretty much exactly that about Grant Williams. <laughs> he said, you, you know, basically like, I uh, you know, he's always talking, sometimes too much, but that that that's the way he is. I mean, he's a guy who he's absolutely uh, a communicator. And look, you're talking about financial decisions like Grant Williams, and you're talking about massive financial decisions at a much higher level in a couple of years, but like Grant Williams is not in Boston basically because they made a financial decision there. Well, speaking of not, Celtics, not basically, I, I would say totally. <laughs> well, look, the Celtics are in deep with spending because in addition to uh, they, this, that this trade added $11 million to their payroll, including tax, pushed them into the second apron. They extended Jalen Brown for 300 million. They extended Chris Epps Porzingis to $30 million a year. They're probably going to extend, um, Drew Holiday, I would say at at least thirty million. Who knows where the number comes in? Um, they're going to have to extend uh, uh, J- uh, Jason Tatum for three hundred million next summer. Even though Derek White has two years left, they're going to have to extend him. If they don't, they're probably going to have to trade him for somebody who's not for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I understand. You know, they're they're pushing the limits of it right now. Um, yeah. But speaking speaking of outings, um, I guess last Saturday. Uh, uh, I, I think it was on social media, but in case you didn't see it, um, uh, Jalen Brown went out to Colorado for the USC um, CU game, which started at 10 a.m. Um, local. And uh, Jalen said that uh, by the time he met up with Derek for the uh, pregame tailgate, um, Derek was drunk. He said Derek was drunk. <laughs> he just said he was straight, flat out drunk. Well, they they were also the leaving a box. They were also in a box they were. with uh, one Paul Pearson, another Kevin Garnett, which I imagine was quite the scene also. I, I can't imagine there was any life. cussing. <laughs> well, so Jason said that he worked out with Paul Pierce all summer. I know it's been on social. He said uh, Pierce lost 20 pounds and has been great. And he's uh, he was happy to get him to a game. He also said that um, Jalen Jalen invited uh, Deion Sanders to a Celtics game. So um, I think it would be spectacular for Dion to be courtside for us. Maybe what do we think? Celtics Lakers. I can promise you. I can Celtics promise you Bucks. whatever game Dion's at, he's going to be courtside. I just hope <laughs> the cameras sit in a box. Hey, I just hope the cameras can find him. That guy needs a little bit more attention for sure. <laughs> and he'll be wearing sunglasses. 
and be wearing sunglasses. Oh, oh, oh no doubt. No doubt. Will One he be more wearing thing, a hat uh, inside too? That's a boy, that's a deadly combo. That hat's <laughs> the hat shades. I think that's um, what I, I think that's only I think he's contractually obligated to wear both of them at all times. So I suspect he'll have them both on, but we'll see. One more thing before you go catch your flight, Bon Temps. Uh, we did ask Joe Mazzola today about what he was gonna do maybe with his starting lineup. He's got a decision to make. Um, now I would think the way you know the way he finishes is more than important. Obviously, it could rotate from game to game the way he finishes, but they've got a choice. Somebody's gonna there's gonna be an odd man out, probably either Al Horford coming off the bench. Um, playing small with Jason Tatum at power forward, or they play big with Horford and Porzingis in the starting lineup. I would guess Derek White coming off of the bench. Um, Joe Mazzula, I think, studied a lot of data over the summer. He even mentioned that, that he studied a lot of data to think about how his lineups were going to be and the plays he was going to run and everything. And now the data has massively changed. So he basically hedged. He basically said, you know, we, we can play a lot big. We can play a lot small. And last year we did a lot of both. And I kind of was like, really? Because I think you played small until you're basically browbeaten to play, finally <laughs> yeah, play Joe, big. We know, were... yeah. We, yes, yes, yes. So We know how Joe Mazzula um, wants to play. He wants to play small. He wants to play fast. He wants to get up as many threes as humanly possible. We made that very clear last year. Well, and I and think like you said, all, he had to be dragged kicking and screaming into playing two bigs in that Philly series. Yeah, and I think with Drew Holiday, that is their best lineup, and it allows you to much easy, much more easily manage the minutes of Porzingis and Horford, which is going to be important. So I don't Absolutely. think no question. Decision. Well, well, that's that's where this is interesting because this to me is a lot like the other lineup situation we've talked about a lot with Chris Paul and Golden mm-hmm. State. Now yeah. Horford, a fantastic player. Might be a Hall of Fame player. He's had a great career. He's a proud vet. He's got a big voice on that team. And I don't know how that will go with him coming off the bench. What was his he reaction was asked, to that today? He was asked, this is how it was framed. I don't have exactly in front of me, but basically it was framed. You have said in the past that you like to start. You know, how do you feel about that? And he passed that buck right on by. He did not say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'm fine with coming off the bench. <laughs> he said a lot of right. words that I don't have in front of me, but he basically didn't agree to anything. So let's let's see how it goes. All right, Mc, uh, McMahon, we got to send Bontemps on to his flight. Thank goodness. They're calling Group 7. That's your call, Bontemps. Uh, he's more of a Group 9 type I'm, of guy. I'm, 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 not in, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not in Group 7 or Group 9, so. All right. I'll be getting on the plane early. All right. Thank Ooh, you, Bon Temps. <laughs> Thank you, Bon Temps. All Damn. right. <laughs> I said, all right. Joining us is the newest resident of San Antonio, Texas, Bear County's newest, proudest man, Andrew Lopez. Now we're getting Wimby. What the hell? Yeah, no. Uh, Brian doesn't speak enough French for Wimby to come on, so you're stuck with me. No, podcast lasts longer than 90 seconds, so Wendy couldn't get on. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was 90 seconds. It was closer to 70. Uh, anyway, uh, well, yeah, Wimby moved there in July, McMahon. Uh, Lopez moved in September. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah I, don't he, think I've he, been, I don't think I've been here a week yet. <laughs> 
he also he made the um he and Ohm have something in common. By the way, Ohm was going to be on this podcast, but his oh. streak of many years of stepping onto the airplane 11 seconds before the door closed <laughs> and wishing that he had only had stepped on one second before almost one of those guys where if he if he doesn't if he gets on the plane and it doesn't leave immediately he feels like he's wasted time and he's always brushed this off saying i know what i'm doing today was the end of the road and uh -uh. all missed his flight uh -oh. so the, we were going to almost in Denver today with the Nuggets and the, the Nuggets have been disrespected yet again because Ohm is flying <laughs> right now. Disrespected. But the thing is, when Ohm moved to Los Angeles a few years ago from the East Coast, he took his refrigerator. He's like, I'm moving. He loved his refrigerator so much that he moved it from New Jersey to California. Andrew Lopez moved his refrigerator from New Orleans to San Antonio. Not quite as long. But just no. to say that you literally have just got there with your refrigerator. Uh, there is a reason that the only thing behind me right now is a blank wall and this very lovely ESPN bobblehead. Um, oh, it's that's some, okay. That someone found <laughs> at a garage sale and gifted to me before I left. So uh, because the rest of this room that I'm in is nothing but boxes right now <laughs> uh, because I have not made it upstairs uh, to start trying to unpack this house. It is has been a very slow process, but I am here in San Antonio and I was at Spurs Media Day today and and then talked to our guy Victor. I was very upset that he shaved his head, his hair down and got rid of the blonde locks. Yeah. Uh, that was apparently just a they, summer they, a they, summer what, fling. What I thought they were a different color at one point. He he did like the little multicolored thing that that Jeremy Sohan does and then oh, okay. eventually it kind of he just let it grow to the blonde and then you know showed up showed up nice and nice and fresh today for for his uh, media day pictures spurs have exactly actually released the... two separate sets of media day pictures with him one in, in in their black jerseys and one in their white jerseys and uh he does still have the blonde in a couple of the the earlier jersey shots so that this was a very recent change all right so what so did you it's learn? Like the, it's like the anti-Jimmy Butler, though. Jimmy does his hair, yes. some crazy <laughs> hair thing, just for me. Yes. And Wimby, it's like, you know, get prim and proper. Yeah, he, was, he, he, was, he wanted to be the rookie who was, who was clean on his first day. And he was. Okay, so what did we learn from listening to, to um, Victor Vambanyama today and also his teammates? Because I, I think I saw some good sound bites about what yes. his teammates had to say. So Victor did say after after summer league, um, I remember at summer league the last one of the last quotes he had uh, before walking out of the press room was, uh, "I plan on not seeing you guys for two to three months," and I, I brought that back up, and he was like, "Yep, I accomplished that goal. I did not see you for two to three months." Uh, he took some time off, and he said that actually was kind of the key, I think, to his off season. He he mentioned that, you know, you know sometimes the you know, the superstars are the guys who work the hardest. He goes, but you also need to rest the hardest. And I rested hard as hell for about a couple, two or three weeks. He said that got him feeling rejuvenated and it really helped him uh, get, get going when he did get back to San Antonio and they've been putting in work ever since then. They've had a lot of open runs, a lot of mini camps, almost. And I think mostly the entire team has been here. Um, 
going out on these outings, having team dinners. So I mentioned they were going bowling. I mean, they've, they've done a lot of different things, but uh, Victory said he's I bet watching Victor bowl is a heck of a. I, yes, I, I need like, that. It's footage. like, it's like watching a giraffe <laughs> drink. I, I need that footage, but he, he said he's, he's put on 10 to 15 pounds um, so far. He feels the best he's felt mentioned that, you know, it, it's, it's so different. Texas barbecue, of- McMahon. <laughs> and, hey, breakfast, and breakfast burritos. Yeah, I was gonna say breakfast, hey, tacos, and barbecue. That'll be that'll beef you up. Send me those uh, wrecks too. I only have uh, breakfast taco wrecks. Very few barbecue wrecks so far. So whenever this comes out, just flood me with barbecue wrecks that I'll surely I'll I'll put on ten to fifteen pounds a lot quicker. I think than Victor <laughs> has um, when it comes down to it. But he said because of all the tests and all the everything that the Spurs have, he feels so much better even in these two months than he than he's felt. Uh, so far in his professional career. And so it was, we asked some teammates about him, you know, what, you know, what just, what's it like? And he said, they, he does things from these angles that it just doesn't make sense. Sometimes you're like, Oh, there's no way he can do that. And then it's, I mean, we saw, we we saw there was one dunk he had at summer league where he's, he's jumping from the block and just like, yeah, I'm just going to drop it in. So I think it was, uh, maybe it was Devin, I think it was Devin, um, Freshly signed Devin Vassell. Yeah, well, we'll talk um, about that in a second. But yeah, keep going. On who who said you know it's just you're going to see some things out there that you're it's just going to make your jaw drop. It's, it's you're just not going to believe it. And I think a lot of his other teammates said the same thing. It's it's like Sohan said. It's he's like man, he just does these things. You're like oh snap, that's like how. And so I I think you're going to see a lot of of that with with Victor this year. And and so what did Popovich did he give any indication? Uh, show his hand at all about what plans he's got for Victor. Um, I'm sure he was very excited to talk to y'all. The shortest answer of the day that we got from Mr. Uh, uh, All-time wins leader was when asked about what plans he had for like, you know, whether he was going to play, how they were going to handle him was, was, I don't know. Uh, He did kind of joke about having the first two questions be about Wimby, but he, I mean, he was actually in a, he was in a good mood this morning talking about it. But one thing he did say was, there's a lot of questions that the Spurs coaching staff has to figure out between now and the start of the season. And one of those is, is Wemby a five? Is Wemby a four? Is Wemby a three? Is he a perimeter player? How is he in the post? And had a lot of different things of how, how are they going to play him in this offense? I think they're going to start him, I think at the four next to Zach Collins, and then kind of go from there. That's how we saw him, um, kind of, uh, you know, used in, in summer league. I think they're going to do that. Maybe they experiment with some options where maybe, uh, I mean, if he's out there with, with Sohan and Collins or Kelton Johnson and Collins, who's the three, who's the four, but uh, I think they're going to experiment with some things. And I think he mentioned Sohan being a guy who could play four positions. So I think they're really going to experiment early in this season and try to figure out what is the best way uh, not only to use Victor, but the the, the rest of the pieces that they uh, they have around him right now. Sohan is actually one of the more fascinating young players in the league, uh, and especially how he's going to fit with Victor because he he I I'm very curious to see how much not how much point guard he plays because I don't think he's gonna like I don't think you're gonna look at a lineup and say well he's the point guard, but how how much of the point guard responsibilities he takes over the course of the season. And that was something he he went to in depth this year. He kind of had a big old smile on his face 
talking about what what could happen in in that scenario. And I think it, it just kind of speaks to the. I mean, we we've talked about positionless basketball a lot over the over the last few years, and I think this this Spurs team is really kind of the embodiment of that of of having guys who can just you know maybe you're you can go possession to possession and he's your point guard this possession he's your three here he's your four on the next possession and how, how that all works but I think the key is going to be what are they going to do on the defensive end and and I think one that's really where Victor will shine this year and it's how the rest of those pieces again fit um, does Kelvin Johnson take a, a step up on that side or how was so I'm going to be on that like that's I think where it's 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 going to be. Um, Kind of fun to watch on. It's it's going to be great on the offensive end, but w- where they are defensively is going to be uh, fun to watch as well. So yeah, it's going to be a journey. There was a a big signing today, Devin Vassell, um, getting um, five year mm-hmm. contract. Which under the new CBA, you can sign mm-hmm. a uh, a guy come off his rookie contract to a five year deal when it's not the max. Um, five years, I believe, is one hundred and thirty five million guaranteed with some bonuses. Um, I'm not sure what the bonuses are. Um, now Vassell missed a whole bunch of last year with the knee injury. I think he only played about 38 or so games. Um, he did score the ball very well. Um, he averaged 19 points a game has shown that he can be a, uh, a good shooter. That's what he kind of came in the league known as his percentages are okay. He's not a over 40% shooter yet, but the Spurs obviously believe in him um, a great deal. And it's a big investment for them. They got to spend their money on some on something, you know. <laughs> you'd like to, so um, I'm not sure. I, it, you know, you're just now getting onto the Spurs. I I don't know a whole heck of a lot about Devin Vassell either. I just know that they like him a lot. They've loved him since they drafted him. Um, but that was a big transaction that took place in the league today. Yeah, and he he talked about today about you know the injury issues that he had last year and, and changes that he's made. Uh, I think to his body last year. I think one of the things he said this year was like, I'm not I'm not trying to miss any more games like that. And they, they really do like him. And I think it, it, the shooting and the offensive component of what he can bring uh, is, is what they like. And it's just, it's so, (laughs) it was brought, it was pointed out to me today. He just signed a five-year $146 million contract, which is bigger than any contract Tim Duncan ever signed uh, during his time. And it's just so different how the money is just, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I know we can make, we could point out, you know, a hundred examples of this, but how much did it, Bob Pettit make, McMahon? I I don't know. Probably had to work an off season gig, though. He's probably like selling, you know, Chuck Taylors in the off season. I don't think Devin Sell is going to be selling any Chuck Taylors. He might be <laughs> might be wearing something. He ain't selling them. He but definitely look, does not like have to money do that. Is what it, you know, and and you can't look at this contract and say, well, he's making as much as so-and-so whose contract is three years old, because you know, this contract I think is going to age just fine. And maybe even very well for the Spurs, because obviously the cap is jumping every year. And I don't know exactly the percentages off the top of my head, but when you look at it, what's the percentage of the, of the cap, this contract's going to eat up. It's, I think this is going to be, end up being like an average starter contract. Yeah, and the fact that what he's under, I mean, even even if it's annual value, I'm sure it's escalating. But I mean, it's under 30 a year for a guy who's who's shooting, you know, 39 from three and averaging 19 a game. I, I, like you said, I think that is a very fair contract uh, for what he's getting, especially for a kid who's who's still, you know, 23 and is is you know figures to be a big piece of what 
uh, San Antonio is uh, is doing to move forward. Well, the Spurs, you know, they signed one of the first rookie extensions last year with Keldon Johnson, and they ended up having a pretty good value. And here they're signed. I know that like Halliburton and Anthony Edwards, um, I'm forgetting somebody who signed to Max. Some of the, the the Max guys signed their deals right in July 1st, but these this is the time of the year where the, the non-Max guys start to extend, and they're the first out of the gate. They're early move, which is not a surprise. Um so, um, all right, well, let's, uh, let's see what happens with Wembenyama. You'll be uh, joining us, uh, Andrew, uh, throughout the year talking about it. You're about to get more Victor Wembenyama than you could ever possibly have imagined. Um, and what I'm looking forward to is the semi, maybe not nightly, but weekly moments where Victor just stuns people with something he's able to do for his size. He's it's- going to be a highlight machine. I am very much looking forward to watching that as a guy who, like I said, who have, who watched Zion. And even when, when he, when he was on the court, there were things that he did that just, it didn't make sense for a guy, his size. Um, it's, I think it's going to be very much the same thing with Victor. All right. Well, thank you for, uh, for stopping by and we will talk to you soon and good luck with those. Get on those. I'm going to, I'm going to sound like your wife. You get unpacking those boxes. It's so many boxes. It's so many boxes. And by the way, congratulations on the nuptials. Andrew got Thank married. Thank you. Oh, congratulations. That's that's what the that's what the bobblehead is. It was a it was actually a wedding gift of somebody who found it at a at a it was a going away slash wedding gift that I made. Did you get with. hitched at the uh, did you get hitched at the same place as Marcus Smart? Uh I, I did no, 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 I did not. All right. Well, that's okay. I'm sure it was lovely. Uh and we will thank you very much, and we'll talk to you soon, Andrew. Later. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Okay, now joining us from Chicago, Illinois, although he spent most of the day in Milwaukee at the Bucks Media Day, which was uh, one of the highlight days, one of the highlight media days going on today, is our own Jamal Collier. What's going on, Jamal? What's up, guys? How you doing? So you were going up and down I-94 today. You had a big one with Giannis and uh, Dame Lillard. Um, before we get into the nitty-gritty, tell us what your takeaway was of uh, the feeling there at the Bucks with uh, with all the action in the last few days. A lot of good feels, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of positive vibes, even positive vibes driving up and down I-94 for me, uh, which, is, which is not the case. Dame made a remark about how every time he comes to Milwaukee, it's always snowing and uh, it's cold out and he doesn't really leave the hotel room. And he got there uh, this weekend and it was sunny 
and he was over by the lake uh, out there, and he said, "You know, this might be all right." <laughs> and I think that, that that's best. To Spoken be like somebody who's from Oakland and lived his whole life. Well, he lives in Utah, so he knows he can handle it. But geez. yeah. But I think you know it, it was it was kind of emblematic of his of Damien. I could see him almost still processing in real time right. uh, the fact that okay, I'm here now. You know, like this is my team. This is a reality for me. Um, but I think the one thing, even as as some of the logistics, he was still kind of working through. Uh, you know, he talked about being excited about to play with Giannis, and I think in Giannis's presser, uh, he was he was all it was way removed from that last presser we saw him given about you know steps of success and kind of how frustrated he was he was excited he was he was very you know back to joking and jovial and i think that um you know whatever whatever message he was sending during the offseason was received and i feel like uh you know those are the two big takeaways those guys are playing with the best player they've ever ever played with okay yeah, steps so to success steps to success basically say this team ain't good enough and yeah. then the GM goes and trades for one of the best point guards of all time. That those are some steps to success. Just follow okay. that plan, and everybody will be on the on the on the Giannis good real good train right now. <laughs> okay, now how are we going to parse what Giannis said today about his intentions with his contract? I think that uh, at least right now, his whatever in the way I read it is the way that his fears the way his uh trepidation at least the way he approached the offseason about being with the organization long term those seem to be quelled and if you, you miss what he said i mean he essentially said that yes financially still the money does not make sense to do it this offseason this next offseason but he said he had a very creative way of saying that but uh, which we can't uh, say on a disney yeah. podcast but uh yeah, very, very creative. But I mean, he, you know, essentially. Also, we can't relate. No. <laughs> That's right. I'll read, the, I'll read the quote. I'll water it down. Yeah. Money is not important, but a lot of effing money is important. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we started this. <laughs> so I'm going uh, but, to sign it next year. And that's it. I mean, I yeah, think he, that, you know, he, I just, the video, he's just sort of tossing it off. Like, throw, I'll, sign, yeah. I'll sign it next year. Don't worry yeah, about it, it. I'll sign it next year. If I have a good season I, and it's still it on the table, make sense yeah, right now. <laughs> well, I'll just read I the mean, whole quote. This is yeah. yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. Jamal. He says, money is not important, but a lot of effing money is important. So I'm going to sign it next year. It doesn't make sense right now. I want to be a Milwaukee Buck for the rest of my career. Good. As long as we are winning. Hmm. It's as simple as that. That's not simple. No. That's not simple. No. Boy, boy, those Bucks fans wanted that period right there <laughs> for the rest of my career. Period. Nope, nope, nope. I'm going to sign it next There's year. There's a Stop. big old dash right there. <laughs> yeah, as long as we are winning. But yeah. look, I think it makes it, – it does make sense. What he's saying, financially, and we talked about this before, Wendy, it was a pretty easy answer. Like, dude, it doesn't make sense to sign it right now. I can get paid more and longer if I wait. And he's the door's not wide open as it was, but it's still cracked. There's still a little crack there. He, he left him some himself some wiggle room, and I think that there's still going to be growing pains and, and things the team is going to have to go through. But I, I think uh, at the same time, I, I guess I kind of said like I think that him coming into this media day with this trade, I think was a lot different. That 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 kind of still uh, wiggle room he gave himself. It reads differently 
when yeah. he he has seen the team make Dame Lillard. And I think that the organization, they were sort of sticking to the line of we did, you know, this is all stuff we've heard from Giannis before and and he's expressed his desire to keep winning before. And I think that that's all true, but I do think that everybody uh, just breathing a lot easier um, coming in, in immediate day for them because they feel very good about the way they've upgraded their team. So Dame obviously is still getting used to this. Um, he descri- He described a little bit today the process by which he found out that he's going to become a buck. And he kind of was like, look, I've been saying for years, I wanted to play with Giannis. Cause like, you know, for all the bad feelings about what happened in, in Portland, he was kind of, he kind of had to admit, like I have been on the record as saying, I'd love to play with Giannis. And like, they kind of did make it happen. You know, he, he it's hard he to kind complain of, when you have, when they get, yeah. they, he, they delivered him a chance to win a championship. Yes. Now, yeah. not to the exact destination he wanted, but like, dude, this team is absolutely a championship caliber team that he just joined. And it really struck me that both Dame and Giannis, they play with some obviously some good players and no respect to those guys, but this is the first time they're both playing next to just a bona fide superstar. And, you know, easily the best teammate that either of them have had. And it just like, you know, Dame talked about my whole career has been, you think about every Dame shot in your mind, it's him creating off the dribble. It's him coming off the pick and roll. You know, it's, it's obviously he's a point guard. He controls the ball a lot, but he had to create things for himself. And he talked about it's always double teams or getting, you know, somebody up at the pick and roll. They're sending a third guy at me. And he's like, I don't even can't really process what that looks like when Giannis is the other guy, <laughs> you know, in that pick and roll combo. So I think for both of them, you know, Middleton's those- no slouch either. I mean, obviously CJ McCollum yep. was a big time score. And there were times where they had some high octane offense. Like they were a yep. top five, offensive team every year but in terms of space creation and yeah. in terms of you know options about playing i don't he hasn't had a wing has he had a wing score like that man i don't i don't or you know a dynamic no, I mean, wing the, player you can argue the best player that um that dame's ever played with is lamarcus aldridge and like it's yeah. aldridge and Giannis is not not a conversation it's just not even close and honestly middleton you could argue is putting together a career that compares favorably with an Aldridge. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. But Jamal I think, did, know, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I just, I was going to sort of wrap, put a bow on that point and just say that I think that despite, like you said, Dame was still processing. Yes. Is what I, was not what I envisioned. You know, he said about two weeks ago, it's the first time he heard Milwaukee, but I think that that idea of, of, of playing with Giannis and being able to, to win a championship, I think uh, was at least what's driving him right now uh, as he still gets used to his surroundings. Did Dame discuss any of the um, sort of quasi accusations that are out there about the Bucks or the Blazers, you know, not agreeing to take him back when he said that as uh, the, the Bleacher Report report was um, and, um, you know, the whole tanking thing down the stretch, although that I mean, it's pretty in defense. I mean, that's pretty clear cut and dry what happened. Yeah. But <laughs> Yeah, no, he, he did not uh, go into details or really you know, talk, uh, talk through any bad feelings on the, on the part of the Blazers. I mean, he, he was all, um, sort of focused on mostly Milwaukee and his tenure there and his excitement to join there. But I think that, you know, he just sort of admitted, acknowledged that the process at the, you know, going through being traded for the first time was very different. And, uh, again, not, he didn't necessarily allude to destination that he wanted, but he just said that, that this was not something that he, even thought he, he talked about thinking a couple of weeks ago that he was not going to get traded and started sort of preparing as, as if he was going to be 
going back to Portland and, and then sort of having to sort of shift gears again. Uh, but he didn't get go into any detail about anything, um, you know, any negative feelings toward the Blazers, I believe, uh, with us, or he did sort of a, a sit down sports center uh, interview as well. But I, I don't believe he went into, um, you know, and, and expressed any, 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 dis- any displeasure right now, at least. So it's a big job for Adrian. Yeah, go ahead, McMahon. I was just going to say the Blazers tank down the stretch the last two seasons is like saying <laughs> Milwaukee winners are cold. I mean, come on. That's yeah. not an accusation. It's, a, it's a stating a simple fact. Yeah. Did you, Jamal, did you check on his calf? Were you like, Dame, could you give us an update on the state of your calf? I know you missed some games at the end of last season. Wanted to make sure you're still healthy coming in. Um, this is obviously uh, Adrian Griffin has been given the keys yep. to a Ferrari here. Uh, actually kind of like a Ferrari and a Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they say go drive uh, it in the fast lane and, uh, don't crash. <laughs> right. <laughs> a lot of people um, watch it. What did he, wh- what did you think about what he had to say today? And, you know, as he talked at all about what his, who his fifth starter might be. Didn't, yeah, didn't go, uh, really into details on the starting lineup. We talked to, to a couple of candidates, Malik Beasley and Pat Connaughton. They both, you know, sort of went to that. They do whatever, whatever makes, uh, whatever makes everybody happy. But, uh, you know, I, I think that just the organization and, and, and Griff especially, like they uh, were upfront about the, the expectations and the pressure on, on a rookie coach. And I think, um, you know, one, having a veteran team and, and still a lot of these pieces have been, Dame is obviously a big shift, but a lot of the pieces around him have been around this team for a while. Um, and, uh, you know, they've got veterans to sort of lead the locker room. They've got a coaching staff, I think, that's got a lot of experience on it. Uh, I think Terry Stotts, the guy who he especially is going to be leaning on having coached Dame for the first, uh, you know, nine years or so of his career. Um, less than that, I think, but the first few years of his career. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, all that being said, it's a whole lot of pressure, you know, because they did win at a very, very high clip with Mike Budenholzer and, and postseason shortcomings sort of notwithstanding, you know, Griffin's going to have to learn on the fly and adjust on the fly and, and, you know, do some things differently, especially defensively. I think that was maybe the biggest time that he sort of talked about philosophies and how without Drew Holiday, this team is going to have to maybe defend in a certain way. Um, but still, obviously, with the bigs they have, expected to be good on it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be watching that one pretty closely because, you know, he's got to, to de- deal a lot of different parts with Dame coming to a new situation with Giannis still – um, in a place where he hasn't signed an extension yet. And I think every single relationship and game and, and season matter. Uh, so you've got to keep this train kind of moving along and keep everybody happy and keep everybody winning at the same rate they've been used to the last few years. Well, I think one of the things that you'll see with Milwaukee is the firepower that they have offensively will cover for a lot of defensive deficiencies. They don't have to be a great defensive team from day one. Uh, yeah. My guess is that those guys will score they'll they'll figure out ways to score maybe not you know most efficient right off the bat but um this this is going to be an extremely potent offensive team the floor spacing that they have you know and their bench is is not bad like you know you look at their depth with bobby portis who was a six-man candidate last year if it's Connaughton, if it's Mm -hmm. beasley they got you know like boston may have them by a smidge on the starting lineup but their depth is is nothing to sneeze at. So um, I think they're going to score. 
I oh, do think that you that think they've is, got the best transition offensive player in the NBA and a top five half court offensive player. They're going to score eight. And by the way, Terry Stotts is a great offensive mind who, as Jamal pointed out, has a ton of experience maximizing Dame's talent. Like they're going to be awesome offensively. And I'm just going to tell you a little secret. The floor is still pretty high defensively when you have Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like they're not going to be a bad defensive team. I agree, but they're gonna they're gonna probably slip there. But I would just I would also say like when you think about closing situations, you know, Middleton can do some damage in closing situations. He he was a, mm-hmm. basically got him through into the through you know through it all, helped him win the finals that way. So when you have options. Middleton and Lillard that you can play through. I like their chances in 50-50 games, even if their oh, defense well. slips a little bit. Oh, Batman Middleton, baby. Put the ball in his hands down the stretch. Yeah, that's a, it's a pretty good lineup. Uh, okay, Jamal, thank you. Um, I look forward to your um, reports when it's nice and sunny going down 994 in February. You go <laughs> I'm going to keep this. <laughs> I'm going to keep this same in time. I'm going to bottle this energy up a little bit. Yeah, ask Dame to make sure he keeps it nice and warm. <laughs> Uh, All right. Thanks, Jamal. We'll talk to you uh, soon. Thanks, guys. Okay. Now joining us from Los Angeles, I believe his first time on the Hoop Collective, Mr. Baxter Holmes. Thanks for having me, Brian. So Baxter, you are um, our project investigative reporter at at the NBA group, but today you were pressed into service um, to go cover Clippers Media Day um, at the Clippers. Was it was it the Clippers facility? Yeah, yeah, the Honey Training Facility over in Playa Vista. You know, I thought was cool is that they now have plastered behind them on their boards. They have the Intuit Dome. I, yes, I, and and um, around uh, kind of the backdrop uh, for where players were speaking today, it said Intuit Dome Summer uh, 2024. So that was the big message that they were sending, eager for uh, the the opening of the new arena over in Inglewood, just down the street from SoFi Stadium. Uh, if you fly over L.A., which, you know, you've done plenty, you can see some of the progress from the sky, but they're eager. And that was a topic that came up today, but they're eager to get into that building for sure. Yeah, I'm wondering how this, uh, McMahon, I'm wondering how this uh, getaway season is going to be. Like, all of a sudden, the the the, the, the showers are going to go out. The the food's going to be a little bit late. Um I'm I'm not so sure how welcoming it's going to be a crypto this year for the Clippers, and they're just putting their name right out there on their backdrop. Yeah, and as they head into Intuit Dome, I think the appropriate question is, will this final season in the building formerly known as Staples Center be one that the Clippers just want to flush? (laughs) Well, Baxter, you've now been indoctrinated to being on this show (laughs) with McMahon. Uh, Ain't that so... He'll keep going if you don't stop him. I'm gonna warn you that right now. All right, all yes, right I, know, so, I know we gotta cut him off. Um, all right. So the big things today were hearing from Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, wish you could tell us um what they said and what were your takeaways from that work. Yeah, look, the main thing I think was hearing in particular from Kawhi, who hasn't spoken since his meniscus tear in their first round series um in April against the Phoenix Suns. And obviously, you know, the major talking point. Coming off of that was the league's new player participation policy, which was passed last month. I don't think you could I- identify a player whom that policy seems geared uh, more toward than Kawhi Leonard. And look, doesn't speak to the media a lot, is 
pretty soft-spoken when he does, doesn't really say much. And when he was asked about this policy, the first thing he said was, what policy? I don't know. I don't know what the policy is. I don't know what it's about. And um, uh, and a follow-up question, a reporter was trying to explain it to him. And he started to push back on the league's policy. And, you know, he said, you know, I'm not, I'm not a guy that's sitting down because I'm doing load management. And then he said, well, you know, when I was with, with the Raptors in 2018, 19, he was different. Um, but he said, but if the league is seeing or trying to mock what I did with the Raptors, they should stop because I was injured during that whole year. But other than that, if I'm able to play, I'll play basketball. And then the line that I remember the most that I think uh, uh, was a lot of people's takeaway was no league policy is helping me play more games. And this was a talking point mm-hmm. from uh, both Ty Lu and others on the team. They're like, look, if, you know, when asked about the policy, if we're healthy, we can play, we're going to play. Um, I know health has been the dominant thing for the Clippers. It was the dominant talking point throughout uh, media day today, Paul George, you know, coming back, he had a uh, knee issue uh, during the playoffs, you know, obviously Kawhi um, who had a cleanup procedure during the summer and uh, in their, their response to the player participation policy, um, Lawrence Frank, their uh, president of basketball operations said last week that both guys are fully healthy going into their training camp, which is going to be in Hawaii. And they just hopped on a plane after media day uh, to head there for a bit. But, you know, it's just it's the looming question mark. You know, what's the saying? The biggest uh, uh, ability is availability and the availability of these two guys really determines the the Clippers fortunes. You know, this is their going to be their fifth season together um, in their four seasons so far. They played in just 142 total regular season and postseason games combined. It's not a big sample size, all things considered. Uh, for what people expect from the floor. Yeah, I mean, seriously. So, you know, it's it's it, so that the health was everything. And and they kind of acknowledged that, you know, for as many questions as people have about the health, like they can't make any big pro- proclamations. And Kawhi Leonard talked about kind of the luck or, you know, bad luck, I should say, of, you know, tripping on somebody or, you know, coming down on somebody's foot and how things can go wrong and this and that. But I think for a lot of people, given how, you know, much we've just seen these guys in street clothes, I don't know, you know, how much faith people have that that, that they'll be out there. I mean, there's, it, it remains to be seen, but, you know, I guess, again, as Frank said, they're, they're supposed to be fully healthy heading into camp. But when well, the- while I was... Yeah, while I was at uh, Celtics Media Day today, I saw this quote about mm-hmm. Kawhi saying, I don't want them to mock me. And then I went and looked to actually watch the video. And what he, when he uses the word mock, he doesn't mean make fun of. He means duplicate, mimic. Mm. He was saying, he was basically saying, I don't, if they're trying to recreate what happened with me in Toronto where I played so many games, this isn't going to work because I was injured the whole time I was in Toronto. Just to be clear, sorry, but I'm McMahon. Now, you know, when he says no league policy is going to help me play more games, honestly, because Kawhi had another knee surgery this offseason, I think the Clippers would have plenty of wiggle room to uh, to rest him and to get around the policy anyway. So I don't think this specific policy is going to necessarily force uh, Kawhi to play more often. I think, if anything, you know, the the – impetus would come from within the organization because the Clippers came to this shocking realization over the summer that, Hey, the regular season actually means something like the whole idea of, of uh, just 
kind of punting through the regular season to get to the playoffs ain't it. Yeah, I, something that was kind of interesting in listening to Kawhi's remarks, it actually took me back to 2019 um, in November. If you remember, the, the NBA fined the Clippers then uh, $50,000, and it, it was for comments that Doc Rivers had made, and the league said were inconsistent uh, with reports about Kawhi's health. And then the league put out that statement that revealed some more details. Uh, they, they said, you know, that Kawhi was suffering from an ongoing injury to the patella tendon in his left knee, da 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 And after the, you know, the league announced that, Kawhi referred to it as shocking and disappointing. And he said at the time, it feels like they want players to play um, if they're not ready. And, you know, some of the strongest comments he's probably made in a Clippers uniform. And I was thinking about that, uh, listening to some of the things he said today. And, you know, the kind of the tension, the push and pull, look, Kawhi and the Clippers keep his his injury status, his health status, what have you pretty, I mean, those are like nuclear codes, uh, very, very tightly protected. Um, and, you know, we saw kind of the, the brushing up against that with the league's policy or sorry, with you know, with the, the league back in 2019. And now we see this. And so it just, I don't know, it sets the table for me a little bit of just monitoring the tension of how is he really doing, you know, is he available? Is he not available? Okay, why isn't he available? The behind the scenes of the information sharing and whatever transparency that the Clippers have to provide to the NBA or how everything is that, that is going to work on that end will be very interesting to me. So I was there much or I didn't see anything. Was there anything said? And I know Lawrence Frank spoke to the media last week and basically, you know, tried to put the pin in any discussion about the extensions. He's like, we're talking, everything's fine. Smile, everything's good. <laughs> um did Paul or KG talk at all? KG. Um, <laughs> did Paul or, or uh, Kawhi talk at all about um, their contract situations? No, the, the only the only reference to anything made today was asked about in, in, in light of their contract situations and the fact that they're these, you know, extensions that or, or new deals that haven't come up if they feel like this is a championship or bust season. Um, and Nobody on the team, you know, Ty Lu, who is up for a new deal, hasn't got one, as well as as Kawhi and uh, and and Paul George. No, none of them said like we feel like this is this is it. And you know, it was the same kind of language you hear at a lot of media days. Like, you know, the goal every year is for a championship, and you know, we want to we want to stay healthy and whatnot. But it does loom over um, everything. You know, the the Clippers have made obviously a very serious commitment to these guys and they just have, you know, the team is, you know, they made the, what is it? The 2021 Western conference finals run outside of that. It's been a lot of bad, a lot of injuries at the wrong times to, to the, to their most important players. And I think it's fair to say that, you know, given the stakes of everything going into a new arena, these extensions being up that it's, it is, you know, a defining season for all of them, whether or not they want to state it publicly or whatnot, like that's that's in the air regardless. Um, and the the championship or bust mentality, if they if they don't, you know, if they're if they're trying to downplay it somewhat, like it it this season very much does have an air of we need to see these guys healthy, we need to make a a competitive run deep in the postseason, and that that will have a very um, kind of defining 
uh, it, it will define the Clippers' future, not only heading into a new bu- building, but just you know, in in the years, be- in the immediate years beyond that. Steve Ballmer wants a return on his investment. The man yeah. is flushing billions of dollars <laughs> down his fancy toilets, like he wants some payoff. Understandably so. I mean, it's it's. You know how much have guys have these guys? I I know we did, um, and I don't have the number in front of me, but I think we we once did a number of like how many how much Zion Williamson has been paid per game that he's actually played uh, in, in New Orleans. You know, a heartbreaking number for I'm sure people in the in the Pelicans uh, organization as well as a lot of fans there. But you know, in my talks with like Clippers fans and others, like that's it's been pretty heartbreaking here um, here in LA to. You had such high hopes, you know, on the you, seeing when when Paul and Kawhi came here. And granted, this organization has not ha- had a lot to cheer about over its many years of existence here under Donald Sterling. So it's nice to have some expectations or some hope, but it's been it's it's been tough, I think, to have that hope just being street clothes for most of uh, most of the season. Did, did anybody utter the names James Harden, Damian Lillard, Malcolm Brogdon? Was anything said? No, not on that front. You know, Ty Lue said we like our team. You know, in terms of team building, which was the same. <laughs> That'd thing be great that if they're like, said. you know, I don't, I don't really like this team. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I'm trying to remember. I, I believe it might have been Terrence Mann, um, but there were some comments today about kind of the toxicity of social media, and one of the one of the players made reference to um, how often people are wrong on social media, and he was like, you know, everybody thought. Dame was going to Miami. No, you know, and they were using that as evidence as to why social media has just become a more, um, you know, in the eyes of players, certainly a more rotten place. And they, uh, a couple of them mentioned that they don't even manage their social media accounts anymore, that they just have other people do it. And, you know, they care more about what fans in the building are saying than some random person on uh, X or, you know, formerly known as Twitter. So, but that was as close as we got to any of the any of the comments there uh, regarding you know potential acquisitions. All right. Well, thank you very much, Baxter. Next time we'll have you on for longer, but we are moving onward. Thank you for giving us the update on the Clippers. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. All right, McMahon. So you're in you're in Memphis. You dealt with those old Grizz today, and um, there was we you know there was just a lot of you know sort of nebulous stuff with the. Job ja Morant suspension when was when it was laid down. We really hadn't heard anything, and so today you found out what the rules are and what it's going to be like for Job ja for the next couple of months. And what did you learn? Yeah, I got some clarity that uh, he will be able to basically do everything but playing games and uh, I guess talk to the media during his suspension. Job ja was not part of the media day. He will not playing in the preseason or he will not, you know, he won't be in the arena during games, but he's going to be practicing. He's going to be traveling. Um, you know, the, the Grizzlies management and the league office has kind of been in contact, but you know, I, I checked with the league office on this and was basically told him, Hey, this is standard operating procedure for a, a player who's suspended. And like, you know, when a guy gets suspended during the season, now granted, a guy who gets suspended during the season, usually it's like a one-game suspension, but they do practice with teams. They do travel with teams. They just have to be out of the arena three hours before tip-off. So those same rules will be in place with Ja. That's not the way that it went when he got suspended last year, but that's because he went to that 
um, counseling facility in Florida. Uh, <laughs> what? Okay. I, it just, it's funny the way you put it, the counseling facility. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's fine. It just, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what it was. <laughs> That's what they told us it was a counseling sorry. facility. Okay. I, it's just, it's funny language to me. I'm sorry. I, I, I apologize. <laughs> I mean, I, that's just where they said he went. I know. I'm anyway, sorry. So he it, wasn't it, around the team during the suspension last year. He will be, but you know, for Taylor Jenkins, it's just, it's just really, he called it unique. I think weird is the, is the other word for it. Uh, situation where the face of the franchise is going to be practicing with the team, but he's, he's not going to be practicing with the starters. They've got 25 games to get ready. You know, they, I mean, it's like 30% of their season. Or right. I'm not real good at math, probably a little bit more than that, uh, to, to get ready for where Jaw's not going to be on the floor. And they've got to figure out, Different lineup combinations. Who's going to be exactly thirty percent? Congrats. There you go. Hey, I'm damn good at math. Um, you know who's going to be the fifth starter. Uh, you know Marcus Smart is is going to be the starting point guard during that time, and then shift to uh, you know playing on the wing once Ja gets back. But they've got to figure out the rotation, the lineup, all that kind of stuff. So Ja's essentially going to be. I guess kind of a scout team guy. And then they said he's going to be on his own program where they're going to be working, you know, skills, whatever, whatever. But, you know, and the, the other question I asked, and I, I didn't get a whole lot of, uh, of an answer from Zach Kleiman, uh, the GM, but basically like, look, it's no secret that a Jaws choices on the road, how he spends his free time, you know, into the wee hours of the morning have been problematic. So, what preventative measures might be in place? You know, what, you know, what extra precautions might not be, or might be in place where, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have to worry about how he feels come tip off the next day. So how are you going to keep him honestly out of the clubs? Uh, that they, they've got to figure that out, but um, certainly jaws odds of staying on the straight and narrow, I think are much better if he is around the team on a daily basis, then is if he's just left to his own devices for several months. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do think that's true. And I think that that was one of the things that immediately came up when the suspension happened is, is it really good for him to be away? I would like to have heard from him at least one time since he got suspended. Um, if for no other reason than to get his real thoughts, because, um, you know, he said things after the last suspension that didn't right. end up being true. Um, I actually think it would have been appropriate for him to speak today if he's going to be on the team. And then, then that's it. He cannot speak again until he's cleared to play. But, um, you know, the league under Adam Silver is not into making players talk when it's not comfortable. So um, right. uh, that's not really a surprise because uh, I'd like to see where he's at, quite frankly. Um, and uh, But I do think this is probably the right decision. And, you know, my position on this whole thing is that Jaw is absolutely vital to the league's future and, and of course the Grizzlies future. And so everything that they possibly can do must be done to do what's best for Jaw and, and basically get him into a position where he can fulfill the status that he's earned. Yeah. And And so the, uh, obviously it is a hundred percent in the league's best interest to do everything possible to put Jaw 
in a position to succeed. I think this does help there, but it, it guarantees nothing. Um, you know, again, they they the Grizzlies have to figure out, and Ja has to commit to making sure that him being on the road doesn't lead to him, you know, being out until 3 a.m. in the morning and doing things that might lead to his suspension lasting longer than 25 games. Um, there, you know, the Grizzlies offseason, they did bring in two guys who certainly have a mentor type of potential in Marcus Smart and Derrick Rose. Um, you know, Marcus Smart obviously is going to be a huge part of what they're doing on the floor while Josh suspended and after he's suspended. Um, Derrick Rose certainly has an opportunity and he, he's eager to prove, as he said, that he still has a lot left in the tank especially in those 25 games that Jaws out. I, th- I think that the, the Grizzlies are going to need Derrick Rose to play significant minutes. But both of those guys use the same phrase, and that's I'm not here to babysit. Um, mm. And, you know, I like with with Derrick Rose in particular, kind of the, the vibe that he gave was, hey, I'm happy to give advice. You know, I've been through a lot in my career. You know, he's been through stuff on the floor, off the floor. He's happy to share whatever wisdom he has. But keeping Ja uh, out of trouble is not Derrick Rose's responsibility, and he's not interested in signing up for that. He's also not interested in, as he said, quote, being a plant in the locker room, kind of being labeled. You know how it is. A lot of times these uh, <laughs> that guy might be labeled like, "Hey, you're in here as sort of a, a front yeah, office." Yeah, well, that's spy. not his reputation. That's not no, it's not. But but he, you know, he used that he used that term too. Um, so he, you know, he's not signing up to babysit. Uh, you know, again, he wants to push Ja, help Ja achieve his potential. But like the idea that you know, Derek Rose is going to be following him around and Hey, 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 no, you know, it's time to get back. (laughs) That, that ain't happening. No, I don't Uh, think anybody's doing that. Well, if somebody's going to be doing that, it needs to be uh, somebody who is on the Grizzly security staff. I mean, Um, that's just, can you go, can you go over the mash report from the Grizzlies? They had a bunch of guys. They needed to get injury updates huh? Yeah. So Desmond Bain ready to roll. Um, he was not wearing LeBron's today. <laughs> so, you know, had to add the toe surgery, doesn't need to, to have the LeBron's. I mean, on, the the new LeBron's, I, I don't know anything about shoes, just to be clear, but the new LeBron's basically look like the Kyrie's. What yeah. They, fi- fi- fire or not fire? What do you think? I mean, I don't. They're, they look fine to me. I, I, you know, I would never wear a purple and gold shoe. You know, no offense to any Lakers fans. I would never wear a purple shoe, but, uh, that's fine. I mean, they're just, you know, they're not the clod hoppers that right. LeBron would wear for the most of his career. He, he now wears a much lighter shoe like the Kyrie's. And so you wonder if they had like all these Kyrie designs and then and Kyrie mm-hmm. was no longer with their company. They say, hey, what, we can make these. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I'm the... not trying to pretend I do. I'm just to be clear. Just to be clear. You're, you are not our shoe guy. Uh, Desmond Bain, good to go. Steven Adams cleared. Uh, certainly believe they will be cautious with him at times after that knee injury that had complications and he wasn't able to get back for the the playoffs as they certainly originally anticipated. Uh, Brandon Clark had a second procedure on his Achilles. Um, They uh, 
Zach Kleiman described it as a cleanup that was uh, optional, I don't think is the word that he had, elective it was the word that he used, but suggested by the doctors, but uh, an elective surgery. But look, the, the situation with Brandon Clark is maybe he's back this season, maybe he's not. They are confident that he will be back to being a, a productive NBA player um, and hopefully back to being himself at some point. They, but they're just not going to put any firm timetable on it, even to the point of saying that he'll be back at some point this season. He very well might sit out this whole season. And Zaire Williams? Uh, didn't play in summer league, but that was because they wanted him to focus on his, on his body, you know, on, they wanted him working in the weight room, all those sorts of things, um, cleared good to go. Okay. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff about the Grizzlies that don't involve how they replace, you know, how they're going to deal with not having Tyus Jones, how Marcus Smart's going to like, it's all non-basketball stuff. Yeah, got to replace Dylan Brooks too. Say what you want. I mean, he was, he's one hell of a wing defender. And apparently Dylan Brooks is in Houston talking about he can't wait to play the Grizzlies. He gets them four times a year. And Desmond Payne essentially said something along the lines of, I'm looking forward to that too. Man, Dylan is was feels himself on a good day. And right now after that summer, I could see some action. Action. Hey, where would you put the over-under on Dylan Brooks' technical fouls in his first game back in oh, Memphis? man. Hey, would would you go as high as 1.5 on the over-under? I feel like 0.5 is an easy bet. Well, yeah, I mean, I've seen him get ejected from a number of games. It's not – I mean, I'm not saying they would set it as that, but, you know <laughs> – probably one is where they'll set it at the sports book, but I, but they yeah. could get some action at 1.5. They <laughs> yes, probably could get could. some action. All right. Well, thank you for the update from Memphis. Hope you enjoy your next couple of days there and um, onward and upward. Am I supposed to adios amigo here? No. <laughs> More hoop collective podcast after this. Okay, now joining us from Los Angeles, we're so happy to have Malika Andrews, who did Suns Media Day today, was partially on her show NBA Today, and then flew over to LA, back to LA, and now is doing the Hoop Collective. But the reason this is special is that in the background of this shot, YouTube audience, oh. is a is a piece of art done yeah. by Mrs. Kelly Bon temps. This is a world exclusive. This is a rarity. I uh, I was given this piece of art when I lived in New York City, and it was one of the first pieces of art that I collected. And um, it, it's like right there when you walk in the door up the stairs of my house, you you see it pretty pretty soon after so this is this is very special to me let me let me ask you this now, i don't read the comments jackson maintains that i don't know someone read if someone makes an offer for this piece of art Ooh. are you willing to part with it is there a number where someone could get their hands on an original bond temps you know i don't know that there is a number that you can get your hands on an priceless. original bond by the way this also in the background mcmahon don't don't tell oh, anybody yeah. mcmahon there's also an emmy back there Oh, that little old thing. I've been looking for that. It just it's right there over her shoulder. She also has that where she when she comes in every day. There's also an Emmy. Yeah, One of those has more value than the other. But the uh, yes, I'm sure. 
yeah, I mean, the actual value of the Emmy, what, you know, seventy nine ninety nine, <laughs> right? I mean, not, you know, we're not. <laughs> well, there was a time where I thought that the Suns would be the biggest story on media day. We've had a little bit of action these last couple of days, Malika. However, it was still a star-studded media day with Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Devin Booker. Yeah. And so a lot of excitement, a lot of expectations. But I kind of feel like you 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 walked away thinking and remembering more your conversation with the owner, Matt Ishbia, who you talked to today. Oh, I think we'll be on your show. I don't know if, how soon we're turning that around. Uh, for That'll be for Countdown or that'll be for your show. But I think he made an impression on you. Yeah. I mean, so first of all, it feels like what I was reminded of when I walked into Phoenix today into the footprint center today was that, yeah, there's been so much going on in the league, but sort of all roads lead through Phoenix in, in some strange way. Like Maddish beer comes in in February, boom, Kevin Durant trade, he makes a big splash. Oh yeah. There's this blockbuster deal that sees Bradley Beal starting his 12th season in the NBA in a new uniform. Phoenix is smack dab in the middle of that shipping Chris Paul out. There's this blockbuster three-team deal that sends Damian Lillard to the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh yeah, Phoenix is a part of that and shipping DeAndre Ayton up to uh, Portland and sort of building out the the depth that we've seen all summer long. We've been questioning with, with Grayson Allen and other pieces and the like. But Matt Ishbia is hyped. Like the man is jazzed. <laughs> He is buzzing. I think our entire conversation, he was vibrating through the whole thing with just this, like, not quite, I don't want to say Steve Ballmer, because I think that that's what people think of when, like, I'm hyped and I'm excited, but maybe it was Steve Ballmer light in terms of the attitude he has. He said, no shortage of 730 times in our 10-minute interview. Um we want to win this team. I can't promise you we're going to win, but this team is built to win. And it was said over and over again to the point that it is clearly in the air in Phoenix. It's a mantra. It is a mission. Um, they know that this team was not assembled to be uh, cute. They know this team was not assembled <laughs> to be what Kevin Durant's nets were. The what does Zach Lowe say? The greatest hypothetical team of all time. They don't want that. He's trying to couch it with all of these other layers. But there is no mystery as to what is going on in Phoenix. They have the stars. They answered the depth question. They brought in Frank Vogel, a proven head coach who's done it in his first year before, and said, you know what? Here we are. We want to do it, and we want to do it now. We don't want to wait any longer. Um, and that starts with Matt Ishbia. Um, did you know that he, in his on the business side of things, he um, holds meetings as if they are like team huddles, like full on with the like, okay, break and like that sort of like, so it, it is up and down the the organization in Phoenix right now. Yeah. And they have completely changed everything so fast and I'm not sure. So it's a cute little factoid that has been repeated many times over, but I don't know if it is sunk in that the 2020, the team in 2021, that yeah. two years ago, Insane. not even two years ago, 18 months ago, He's the last player from that team was Devin in the Booker. finals. Devin yep. Booker. Yeah, a finals team. This now it's yeah. one thing if a team goes through a, a total rebuild and turns the entire roster over except for one guy. You're talking about a finals team yeah. that had core guys on rookie contracts. Right. And I asked Devin, you know, what do you think when you hear that? And he sort of said, Well, it's a business, but also, you know, I Giannis said 
over the summer. He's tired of playing the same story. He's tired of talking about we were down 0-2 and came back and he wants a new story to tell. Talk about wanting a new story to tell. Devin Booker wants a new story to tell. So I think, you know, yeah, it was only two years ago we're talking about a finals team that that fell short and has been completely dismantled. But we're also talking about the career of Devin Booker. It was it was three years ago that they went eight and zero in the bubble and weren't even a playoff team. It was five years ago that they were the laughing stock of the league, toiling at sort of this perpetual bottom where Devin Booker tells Yahoo Sports, "Hey, I want a super team to come to me." And walking into media day today, that that has happened. Phoenix is is the super team. And Devin said, "You know, I'm I'm not going to say that, but I was talking to." to one superstar on the group, but I was saying how wide open it feels this year. It could make for an exciting year. And he told me, "It does no, it's not wide open. I like us. And like, that's how the Suns team is. Like, I like us. Yeah, Dame's here. Yeah, Drew Holiday's there. Yeah, the Lakers have done this. There's immense respect for Chris Paul, but there, there's something in the air in Phoenix, um, I think. I, I, I think there's also a defending championship team in Denver that absolutely kicked the Suns' ass in the playoffs last year. I just would like point. to remind people right. of that. We'll see how much they miss Bruce Brown. We'll see how much they miss Jeff Green. But like last I checked that Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are the most lethal duo in the Eastern Conference, and that hasn't changed. Right. Not even Matt Ishbia taking a charge could, could stop those nuggets. He's ready to take a charge <laughs> from, from Nikola Jokic. I mean, we had the whole ball saga right. with Nikola Jokic and Ishbia. Yeah. Hey, so, Ishbia should get one of those State Farm endorsement deals with that acting job. Hey. Um, <laughs> yes. We don't see any State Farm memorabilia there. Jake is not 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 there. Um, Malika, you also were mentioning that basically Devin Booker and Bradley Beal like sort of made it known they are going to be the point guards. And you know, Devin Booker basically played point guard down the stretch last year because Chris Paul was dinged up and they had a lot of success. Um, and I know that like in the modern league that everybody's positionless and everything like that, but there is something to be said for getting a team into an offense and having experience with it. And so this is, it's not radical, but it is a bit of a gamble and they, they were looking for point guards in the off season. Um, and you know, as they were looking at the, at the Deandre Ayton potential trades, they were looking for point guards. I think they're still looking for point guards just in case that doesn't work. But I wonder what um, those guys and maybe even Frank Vogel might've said, if you have to talk to them about this concept of those, the, the point guard by committee that they're going to go with. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly that Frank Vogel. I asked him, who is your starting point guard? Just as kind of simple as that. And he said, well, it's Bradley Beal and Devin Booker. So it's definitely something that's by committee. I think it, it was really interesting. It's interesting to sit across from a guy in Bradley Beal who in Washington in 11 years won three playoff series. And we're talking about a team in, in his entire career that's trying to win four playoff series in one season in order to go on to win a championship. So it seems like he's coming in from a place of knowing his value, but also there is some humility in terms of he wanted to play with Devin Booker. He sees the value there. He wants it to work. And this is a team I, over and over again, a multiple ball handlers team, multiple ball handlers team is what they continue to say. We've seen Kevin Durant bring the ball up the floor. We're going to see that again. And it seems like there's, there's going to be some things that are worked out in practice as in worked out when we see them on the floor together, exactly how that is going to look but it seems like they're coming in pretty comfortable with the idea that at some point in any given game, 
both Devin Booker and Bradley Beal are going to bring the ball up the floor and the other guy is going to have to learn to play off of him. And Devin Booker has done that before. We will see Bradley Beal sort of fit in in that space. He hasn't necessarily had to in a way that he's going to on this team. But it's not like Kevin Durant teams in the past haven't had this sort of conversation with who's going to be the point guard, Kyrie Irving or James Harden. Now, they, that didn't end the way that they wanted it to, but it wasn't for lack of their ability to adapt in those different situations. And they obviously made a big move this last week. It kind of got snowed under by everything else that happened, but moving off DeAndre Ayton, um, that was a complicated one because, you know, a year ago I did Suns Media Day and the the, the report on Sarver had just come out and they, the suspension had just come down. And it was the most mundane, melancholy media day that I had ever attended um, because all the players, you know, first off, it was inappropriate to be smiley when all of this stuff about um, Sarver had become like public and verified and all that stuff. It was not the time to walk up and go, whoa, what a great off season. Mm -hmm. And then DeAndre Ayton, you know, he had signed the offer sheet fight with Indiana and gotten matched. And he was walking around with the biggest sourpuss face that could go. If you remember like a day later is when he said he hadn't talked to Monty Williams, but I remember seeing him and I've known him for a while. And I remember seeing him and I was like, Hey, Congrats on your max contract, brother. Like, like I, I think I might have said cheer up because it was like it was almost kind of ridiculous at how pouty he was being. And so Nurkic look, was like, the opposite. Okay. <laughs> so tell me about floating. it. Yeah. Tell me about it. I mean, I just I, I was what do you think of the new threads? I, I kind of like these. I kind of think I look good. I can't I can't do Nurkic's accent, but like it, it as much as Dame was probably, I started my career in Portland. I didn't have Yusuf Norkic for very long, but I had him for a little bit. And um, as much as Dame was ready to move on, as soon as it was clear that that was Dame's path, I think in, in the brief sort of hallway conversations I had with, with Nurk today, uh, it was very clear that he was equally as ready. As soon as he saw that that was the path, like he still wants to play in meaningful games. And so, yeah. It was like it, what you're describing. I remember you coming on the show last year, Brian, and sort of talking about how almost funereal it was at the, yeah. the Suns media day last year. It could not have been more opposite. You have Kevin Durant, who all of a sudden is is like, what is what is it that Kevin Durant always wants to say? He always says, um, I just want to hoop. Like, I'm a hooper super. I just want to hoop. I just want to hoop. Right, right. Who's more of a hooper super than Devin Booker? Right. The right. dude like lives. It's such a good, it's such a pairing. It's such a good right? pairing. Yeah. And then Bradley Beal, who just wants to play in meaningful games, who said to our JJ Reddick last summer, he thought about, you know, loyalties tugging on him and what does he want to be? All of a sudden, he's got this brand new slate and like he's excited. You know, Nurk's coming down and being like, How do you think I look in my my new, you know, son's gear? I think I look pretty good in the the orange and and pur and, and purple. And then like the crazy part is you kind of talk into those guys and you're expecting to see those guys because they're front or at mind. And then you turn the corner and who's taken his like, you know, the ah, photos where they do the, yeah, for the, the thing. Yeah. It's Eric freaking Gordon. And you forget that like, Oh wait, that was a sneaky signing that they made. Mm -hmm. Oh wait, who's that over there? Oh, it's Grayson Allen. That's adding to their depth. Like the kind of the, the hits keep coming with Phoenix, the heavy hitters that are sneaky. And I know you don't play, 
10 guys in the playoffs, but the 10 guys that are walking around there for Phoenix, it sort of seems like, you know, the, the path, I asked Evan Booker if we're going back to the 2021 finals and you know him, he's not going to say that he's going to say the years we're going to leave it up for other people, but there's a reasonable chance. I still think the path goes through Denver, but, but there's a shot when you look at the talent that, that this team has, even KD's in a great mood. I just want to hoop. I just want to hoop. And he has the guys to do it. Yeah. And no controversy really about Durant at all. So, I mean, the, the, the stress that he had a year ago and really, going farther back to the whole thing with, with Kyrie the year before he hasn't had a stress-free sort of start to a season in a while. Um, So I have to imagine that he's relieved that it is about all about hooping and that there isn't anything, you know, difficult he's got to address or thing. He can just focus on the game. And, you know, the key, I think obviously for him is he hasn't had a healthy season in a while, fully healthy season. But now so he's committing obviously. to the Olympics. He's like, I'm going to be so healthy. I'm playing in the Olympics. Booker says he's playing in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry, you know, is not quite saying LeBron's name, but saying that he probably seems like all signs are pointing to him. Like the these guys are rolling down in Phoenix. It seems now anything can happen. You need luck to win a championship. You need health to win a championship. Kevin Durant is 35 years old. Um, there are certainly training camps around the league right now where people are going. Ooh, I don't know what's going to happen now. I'm looking at Philadelphia. That ain't Phoenix. Phoenix is coming in like we get to go to Golden State on opening night. We get to get that game out of the way. We get and Frank Vogel feels like he has something he kind of wants to prove. Like there's a whatever it was last year, Brian. I got the opposite. I got the 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 cheery the, party with confetti. <laughs> McMahon, honest, trivia the, question. Trivia uh-oh. question, McMahon. Oh, oh, well, you got one for me. I do. Okay. There's Malik, two other two this. other Olympians besides Durant and Booker on the Suns roster. One played in the 2021 Olympics, and one's going to play in the 2024 Olympics. Uh, Eric Gordon is not qualified for the 2024 Olympics. If he never played in the Olympics. He played in the um, he played in the World Championships. Never played in the Olympics. I said, Bradley okay, Beal so was on the World Cup team, but did right? He didn't go with COVID shot, something like that. Bosnia, yeah, he didn't got. Make uh, it, did they? Nope. These are good guesses. Oh, Utah, but... Utah, Watanabe, Utah, Watanabe, the Japanese qualified for the for the twenty twenty four Paris Olympics. The other one I is Joshua Koji. Oh, I like Joshua Koji. I would, I would. It would have been a while. I thought you were Joshua trying to. I, with I thought you were trying to get me on Eric Gordon, but they haven't qualified yet. Josh, have a chance though. And by the way, did you see Clay Thompson said he might try to play for the Bahamas? I know there's. Yes, who, that's true. Uh, the 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 Eric Gordon played this summer for the Bahamas. They didn't qualify for the Olympics yet. They qualified to try to qualify. Um, he and DeAndre yeah, Gordon. Yeah, he played healed. with uh, DeAndre Ayton, which makes him the only Phoenix son who actually enjoyed his time with DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> oh my god! But I'm pump. But I'm pump. That was a trivia question. That was not no. the trivia question, but thank you, man. <laughs> but no, like the the one thing that there was going to be some I don't know controversy, drama, whatever you want. To, if DeAndre Ayton was still there, there would have been this weird thing. He's not. Yes. So it's like good vibes. Downgrade at the starting center position, but good vibes. But and also finding more important. Depth. You know what I mean? Like I, a talent pound for pound. Yes. DeAndre Ayton. But also, are you all right being the fourth option? Are you all right? Like sometimes yeah. those things, they end up fit ends up outweighing 
when you have all that talent elsewhere, sometimes like that fits into the equation. And well, Montemps is when you have pounding away on the fact that he thought that the Suns didn't get a good enough value for Aiden. So I heard it. I heard it. And I think I texted McMahon. I'm like, how many times is is Montemps going to hit the interrupt (laughs) button on? (laughs) We need the around the horn mute. (laughs) What's up, Pally? What's going on, boss? He's just sitting there on his flight to Denver. He thinks everything's fine. He's taking the AirPods in. No, he's know it. Bontemps is yapping the ear off somebody next to him right now. I can assure you of that. He's probably the most annoying. How many pairs of earpods do you think he's gone through? A lot. A lot. Oh, Bontemps. Bontemps, Bontemps. Well, Malika, thank you. So this is a spectacular report. This has been our most comprehensive report we've had from Media Day today. And, you know, Obviously better than McMahon from Memphis and better than me from Boston. So tremendous well, work. And thank you for joining us. Fruit, clearly. I appreciate <laughs> you, Pallies. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Now joining us from Los Angeles was at the Los Angeles Lakers media day today. Dave McMiniman, did you go to Syracuse? Like your sweatshirt chest? I wasn't aware Boy, of that. That's new information to us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, it's the Adrian Autry era. Let's go. No, it's not too early to get excited for the basketball season. McMahon, did you know that Syracuse has a journalism school? I wasn't aware. Oh, yeah. Never never heard of that. Hey, how'd they do in football last week? Uh, you know what? I'd still take four up and one down. It's a pretty good start, my man. What do you got? <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I don't know exactly the mean green are two and three, but neither here nor there. Well, you're in. You're taking a shot at our guy Jackson's alma mater too, and you're going to face the wrath of that in the end. <laughs> quite, quite intentionally. So, um, a lot of stuff happened in the NBA today. The Lakers were not as big of a story, but there was a lot to be said and done there. Um, namely, what LeBron had to say after a very high stress summer. You got to speak to LeBron one on one in an interview that ran on Sports Center uh, today. Um, he also talked about Bronny. So maybe if anybody didn't see that, you could brief us on some of the stuff that LeBron said before we get into straight Laker business. Well, certainly it was a traumatic summer for LeBron and his family. Ultimately, they came out, uh, you know, fortunate and grateful about where they are versus where they could be. Bronny James suffered cardiac arrest uh, at a summer basketball practice at USC. LeBron James made it clear that, one, the surgery was successful. Two, Bronny is rehabbing uh, with the plan slash hope of joining USC on the court, playing in games this season. Uh, And LeBron used the opportunity uh, with many cameras and tape recorders rolling to go out of the way to thank USC's medical staff and coaching staff for really their first responder instincts in order to you know, get Bronny the medical attention and care that he needed uh, immediately. Um, you, know, you know, LeBron, the, the, the thing that stuck with me, um, him talking about his son and, you know, uh, both of you guys, it'll probably resonate even more so with you, but talking about his son, uh, he said, man, that, that kid is so strong um, after every, everything he's been through, almost in a way like, like, the tone was stronger than me, right? Like, like to go through yeah. what he's gone through at this age, um, and to still have what what sounds like a, a spirit about him, and you know, certainly um, keeping that 
that goal of, of being a part of the team, being a student at USC in mind and not letting um, a true medical scare um, deter that goal. Uh, you know, it's pretty um, heady stuff. Uh, and I think it's been a lot of heady stuff uh, for, for LeBron uh, where he's at right now too. Um, you know, he's going into year 21 and, and this is something that he's kind of finally pulled back the curtain a little bit with, with all of us. And then, you know, we thought, yeah, he kind of had fun with it last year, the Nike campaign about him versus Father Time. Well, you know, he's admitting that Father Time's sitting with him in the room when he's at these hotel rooms uh, on the road as these seasons wear and, and pile upon one another. And he wonders, does he still want to put in the time and the work to continue his career? And um, you know, he was That was the first time I ever today. heard him. Yeah, that was the first time I ever heard him talk about that because he described when he was talking to you, he said... Um, he was taught you were asking him to elaborate on why he because he had a great year last year, it was all NBA, even yeah. with the foot injury. Um, you asked him about why he would sort of hint at retirement, and he talked about well, it was it was about whether I could like still want to work out every day, and um, that was the first time I've ever heard him say anything like that. Maybe you've heard him say it before, <clears throat> before recently, but I've you know, I've never heard him question his because his this is what he's known for this is part of his his fabric of his being like i don't care if he's filming a movie i don't care if he's um you know on vacation i don't care if it's june i don't care if it's february he is relentless about taking care of himself and and staying in condition and hear him saying i don't know if i want to do it that was the first time i have heard anything out of lebron's mouth me personally where i've said okay that sounds like a guy who literally it is it is starting to, to creep in there. I, I kind of rejected what he said last year um, about retirement almost as a way to kind of divert attention. I don't know if you felt the same way, but that to me was telling. Well, I mean, I think it's part of the entire picture of at some point, and we've seen it from just watching him play the games, right? When you've done this thousands and thousands of times, uh, he is as smart a basketball player that's ever lived. But sometimes you see him, in my opinion, take some shots, you know, a deeper three, right? Taking a 35-footer versus a 30-footer because that excites him a little bit because he's done taking the right shot, the 30-footer, the 25-footer, the pump fake and go for the floater thousands and thousands of times where he needs new things to get his juice up to still get the same kind of uh, you know excitement from the game when things like that are happening. And then it's also bleeding over to having that long thought when you wake up in the morning, do I really want to head to the gym? Uh, at some point you're going to look around and say, well, I had built up this other empire that I can dive into and Hey, oh, I got my wife and my children in Los Angeles and they're growing up and they're doing cool things. He told me today that Zuri, his youngest daughter is now getting into volleyball. And so he has yeah, another I thought about that. way to be a and I got to say, she, you know, I'll bet she's going to be tall and I'll bet she'll be able to jump and high level volleyball is something to watch. I, I had not heard that. Until oh, he said when, that Wendy's trying to recruit her to Nebraska. That's what he's damn right. <laughs> You're damn right. And that's where else you're going to play in front of 90,000 fans. Let, let, uh, you know, Michael Malone's daughter, just uh, she congratulations to her. She just committed to the University of North Carolina to play volleyball. She's an excellent uh, volleyball player. Um, I asked him after the Nebraska game, I go, hey, is that recruitment closed? They play <laughs> 90,000 at, at North Carolina. All right. Sorry, Dave. 
Brian, you know what you just accomplished? Um, you know, Michael, obviously, in the playoffs, was, was kind of upset about interrupting Denver talk to talk about the Lakers. We just interrupted the Lakers talk <laughs> to talk about Michael Malone. So there, there you go. go. That's right. Let it be said. Now, I, rivalry, what you don't know, baby. Dave, is that we had to cancel our Nuggets talk on here because uh, um, I never miss a flight despite always mm. getting there with one minute left before the end of boarding. Uh, Om Young Masuk missed his flight. So... You know, I'm shaming him, just like I once shamed you for missing a flight, just so you know. It happens. It happens once, <laughs> once, once a season, about average. Though, you know. All right. uh, but anyway, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, listen, uh, I think you could extrapolate even further talking about LeBron seeing the light at the end of the tunnel when I asked him about Anthony Davis. And uh, you know, the, the, this is the first time really since Anthony was – traded to the Lakers where LeBron and AD's contracts are not running concurrent with one another. Mm-hmm. AD signed the extension in August. He is on the books till 2028. Now LeBron James as a player option for 24, 25, that could very well be his last year in the NBA. So the natural question is, does this put Anthony Davis in a position to be the face of the franchise was how I worded it to LeBron and LeBron's response. He is the face of the franchise already and you see it with the team they are trying to will that uh into existence He's, yeah today, he, i think lebron is trying to speak, speak it into the existence the i'm not sure speak. that's true yeah yeah the i mean who it, set the, the the tone for the day was anthony davis spoke to reporters before lebron james yeah and listen i understand like why lebron wants that to to be the case, I understand why the the Lakers. You know, it's it's pumping up Anthony Davis's ego. It's LeBron in year twenty one. It's a bit much to expect him to carry the load on a on a night to night basis. But the simple fact is, LeBron durability has declined, but performance has not. And when LeBron is still this dominant of a force, nobody on any team that he plays with will ever be the face of that franchise because he's freaking LeBron James and he's just averaged 29, 8, and 7 last year. Yeah. It could be a little bit of LeBron, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Hey, LeBron, oh, yeah. uh, hey, AD, I got you paid. <laughs> so uh, you do the other job here. You know, Pick up a little bit of the slack. Yeah, you he, also the said that, he also said that that foot tendon was completely torn, which I don't think is a surprise um, mm. that he played with last year. Um um, and it you know took a, the off season to kind of get it back to health. So um, these soft tissue injuries, I mean, they keep they keep adding up. So I don't I don't know what he's gonna what he's gonna do uh, this year. But um, uh, he also said that he worked out with Rui Hachimura. Rui Hachimura worked out with him all summer long. Dave, did you know that that was you know LeBron works out with guys on and off, you know, but did you know that that was something that uh, you know did that pairing. Um, you know, Rui taking a step forward, did not play for the, the Japanese national team this summer um, to really to focus on this season. It sounds like he spent that time with LeBron. Yeah, I first got wind of it a couple of weeks ago um, and it became clear in the focus today as the, the person behind it, it should have I should have figured it, it was Phil Handy, uh, the longtime assistant coach for the Lakers who also spent time with LeBron uh, in his Cleveland era when their second Cleveland era, I should say when they won the championship 2016, Phil really took to Rui after the trade back in January 
And really, if you go back and listen to some of his press conferences in the playoffs, particularly in that Memphis series in the first round, where Rui, you know, comes out of nowhere to drop 29 points in game one, he was like, Phil Handy was telling me, I'm going to get these shots in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I worked on it and repped it and repped it in those five or six days the Lakers earned themselves in between the playing rounds and the first round by beating uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. And so um, the blueprint was there for him to follow in the playoffs. And what better blueprint for Phil Handy to show Rui than the in-person guy who's built almost the same dimensions uh, as Rui. Rui's listed at 6'8", 230. That sounds about uh, an in-your-prime LeBron James. Now, it was funny that Rui, who looked to me, you know, he used the term defined, um, more defined than he has been in the past, he was a little mad with the Lakers social media team because after it, I, I first put on Sports Center last week that him and Rui, uh, him and LeBron have been working out together. The Lakers social media team, now that the cat was out of the bag, put photos up of them working out together. And Rui was upset that everybody thought he looked a lot smaller. Uh, he doesn't. Well, he thinks he's he, the same he, size as LeBron. He is thirty, at least thirty pounds smaller. And I'm going to tell you, I don't think LeBron <laughs> was ever two hundred and thirty pounds in the NBA. Uh, I think he came he in at two forty. Right but that. I'm not taking a shot at Rui. I will say this: when Rui and LeBron and Anthony Davis are out there on the court together, I know LeBron is now you know pushing forty. Um, it's still it's a pretty good looking athletic front line. I mean that's uh you know that's a much more appropriate line of a contender than, um, athletically than we saw a year ago. Um did uh did Darvin Ham at all talk today or actually he talked last week I realized but has has there been an indication of what their game plan is this year with Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis after um you know, the Lakers went out and, and signed Chris Wood and, uh, you know, already had Jackson Hayes. There was some indication that he may w- want to go back to that four. Is there any feel that you have about how the Lakers are going to handle that now that they've brought in some some reserves at center? Yeah, I, I, Brian, I got some time with Darvin today, and, and I asked him, as a coach, um, you need to listen to your players and, and meet them halfway. And, and if you're hearing that AD wants to play more four, but you have this body of evidence of how much success the team had with him at the five. What, what do you tell him? And Darwin's plan at least, and, and it could prove to be complicated because we know how uh, most NBA teams, they like to hear from their head coach, a regimented um, kind of rotation sooner rather than later. But Darwin's plan is to use the preseason and in the season to have different look lineups. And on the nights when you're going to play uh, Joel Embiid or a Nikola Jokic, maybe you got Jackson Hayes in there at the five. Um, on, on other nights when you're not taking as much of a pounding with a physical specimen on the other side, you can have AD playing that role. That's at least what's being said right now. Um, we'll see how it comes out. Uh, in the wash. I mean, the Lakers have the ability with this roster to play Rui Hachimura, LeBron James at the five. They can play obviously Christian Wood at the stretch five. Um, and so, you know, ideally what, what they hope that they could accomplish this offseason is not only at the four five position have different looks they can go to, but 
in the backcourt, you can have Austin Reeves playing the one uh, on some possessions. You can have um, in the frontcourt um, a more defensive-minded group and, and go back to Jared Vanderbilt getting the lion's share of the minutes in, in the frontcourt um, versus going with you know someone like a Torian Prince who's more of a three and D type of guy, uh, or or going you know full on offense and you know try to give Cam Reddish a look, uh, bringing him in um, after he's bounced around the league so far. So you know they think that their way to overcome that preference from AD is to not have him only have a diet of playing the five and have him buy in recognizing that this makes our team as lethal as possible while being being able to play a variety of different ways. Yeah. And um, I, some of it is like, we're going to meet you halfway, right? Is that like a long way of saying we might meet you halfway AD? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, listen, at the same time, like there is a body of evidence of how it worked last year. Um, and there's not too many guys in, in the league that can do what he does on both ends in that same position. And so you want to maximize what you have. And and what you do during the regular season to get through a regular season and what's going to happen in the playoffs is obviously two different things as well. All right, Dave. Well, you know we'll be talking about the Lakers a lot on this uh, podcast. They have a top six roster in the West. Oh, oh wait. Wendy banned Lakers talk last year. Is it, are you guaranteed? Yeah, I banned Lakers talk until they were relevant. And guess what? They are. Oh, okay. Yes, we're back talking Lakers. I think this Thank happened you. like every other year the last – Three or four years this happens. Yes, and this is the this is the year where it's where we're yeah, going to talk on, about baby. Them. It's back on. One more nugget right, for you, Brian. One yes. more nugget for you because I know you how much you appreciate the links. Austin Reeves, I asked him. You got that new fifty. You may already had this conversation with him, Manila. You guys are fast friends, but asked him what the the one purchase with the fifty million dollar contract. Customized golf clubs. Oh, good lord. Well, what I want to know is he was hoping to go up and play, like spend a weekend at Pebble Beach uh, in between the end of the World Cup and the and the um, and the start of the season. I don't know if he made it because, you know, let me tell you, when you get back from a, you know, four or five weeks on the road, the last thing you want to do is go. What are you talking? What's your problem? When we're we're nearing a windy rest update. (laughs) Talking about Austin Reeves. So we are in a windy rest update, Mac Ten. Uh, you got you got to cover sixty five games, Brian, to get that PBWA award. <laughs> ask, <laughs> that ain't happening this year. Do I do, do I do, do I do I get credit for my uh, Team USA coverage? Um, you ask Austin if he got if he made it to Pebble Beach, and if so, what did he shoot? You we'll know? follow up. I can tell you, you said so far the clubs have done many good. So <laughs> oh, okay, well, see, he's a bit of a, a sandbagger in that regard because he'll be like. Oh yeah, I played really bad. I, I, you know, I got off to a really bad start. What'd you shoot? Thirty-seven. Oh, okay. You know, he made a bogey at one. Sorry. Yeah. yeah right. uh, all right, Dave. Thank you so much. We appreciate okay. it. we're talking to you. Soon. Thanks, gentlemen. Yep. See you soon. Okay. Now joining us from San Francisco, our Golden State Warriors beat writer Kendra Andrews. Kendra, how are you? Good to talk to you. I'm good. How are you? You were at the Chase Center today for Golden State Warriors Media Day. And um, I don't want to make everything about the Warriors about Chris Paul, but it's just such a fascinating thing. <laughs> and what what did Chris Paul? I think everyone's trying to wonder how this is going to look. 
And there was Chris Paul in that Warriors jersey today walking around. I was seeing it as I was walking around the Celtics facility and they had NBA TV on and I was seeing him walk around. It's still, I'm still like rubbing my eyes. Like, what's going on? <laughs> right. What did Chris have to say today as he yeah. uh, met the media as a member of the uh, Warriors? Oh, Wendy, I think he's also still scratching his eyes. He said today, today was the first time he put on that jersey and he's like, I went to film a State Farm commercial this morning, which I've done so many times, but I had to put this Warriors jersey on. And he's like, what is happening? Everyone from coaches to players to security members keep patting him on the back, being like, wow, this looks really good on you. So it's <laughs> slowly starting to sink in, I think, for everyone that. And uh, you know what? You know what he did every time that happened? He gave that look that he gave to Steve Kerr where he pretended like he was laughing and then he gave the serious look. <laughs> Walked away straight face. Absolutely. He probably did. But I mean, I think what I took away from today's media day is when do you like you'll remember when in Vegas when Chris Paul was introduced as a warrior for the first time I asked him like are you comfortable coming off the bench and he said are you coaching like well maybe I should I, I would like to give it a go frankly I think I could do an okay job but today was the first wow, time he actually Steve seemed... Kerr is overrated I yeah, don't say she, but Steve. Uh, I'm just saying I would also give said, a go give you, you a also go said, Right. She also said she'd bring him off the bench, which is a pretty, she's already, <laughs> her credentials are listen, already looking better. Listen, I might. The Warriors had the best starting lineup last season. And this is the first time that Chris Paul actually seemed somewhat like, if that's what they want from me, I will do it. He's like, I came off the bench in 08 for the Olympics. I'm all about winning. Of course, this is just saying the right things. I think proof's in the pudding when you actually go and do it. But from the way he was carrying himself at media day, he, Everything seems peachy dandy in Warriors land. And listen, Chris Paul, I will say this. He's not a guy who says the right things just because he thinks you're supposed to. If that's the case, he'd have said it in Vegas. Right. Because what? I do, I do think it's significant that Chris Paul showed up to media day and he didn't say, hey, I'm ready to be the sixth man. But he essentially said, you know what? I'm, I'm cool with this role. Like, well, I'm, I'm ready to come off the bench for the first time in my career aside from those Olympics. The other thing that I, I look at the Warriors is in years past, it's not like when they have a starting lineup, that is their starting lineup for 82 games, right? Like maybe it is for a good chunk, but so many times we've seen this team go to that small ball lineup when they deem it's necessary, start Loon and Draymond next to each other because they can play next to each other. So I'm not going to, whatever Steve Kerr pulled out in the preseason I'm not going to say that is it. Also, with whether Draymond can play in all the preseason right. games, right? Like, he's not going to be out there. So they're not even going to get a full taste of what their starting five is going to be for their five preseason games. So I think it's going to be a fluctuation, at least through the early months of the season. And then again, as you get into that late season playoff push, playoff race, it's going to be, you know, playing chess, which they've done so many times. So Draymond, you mentioned Draymond a second ago. He had this uh, ankle injury in workouts recently where he stepped on Jonathan Kaminga's foot. It must have been a hard turn of that angle, Kendra, because four to six week injury, that's a that's a, a grade two for sure, maybe even borderline grade three. What did Draymond say today about the status of that ankle? And they're going to start from yeah. um, a little bit behind the eight ball. Yeah. So he's, they say he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks, which is going to put him out of their first, I believe, three preseason games. So they'll have, he'll, the Warriors will have two left by the time he's reevaluated. But knowing the Warriors is probably not going to come out until the regular season starts. But the good news for the Warriors is there's no 
boot. There's no brace. There's no crutch. There's no limp, uh, at least from where we were sitting. He was carrying himself as Draymond does. He says that he heals quickly. It's been feeling better. But again, as you talk about bringing Chris Paul in, bringing these new guys in, who they lost, what they're trying to reestablish after what happened last year, it is a blow. You know, it is a setback to not have an in-camp when they're really trying to just figure out the starting lineup, figure out the rotation, figuring out what everyone's going to do. They have an advantage in the fact that him, Steph, and Clay are still together. This is your 12th for Draymond. But again, when you're trying to figure out how do you add Chris Paul, how do you make up in other areas, that is a setback for the Warriors. Yeah, um, so they're after the way last year went where they were whether they, they finished as the sixth seed. Is that where they finished the sixth seed? Yeah. There's been a little modicum of disrespect, just a little modicum of disrespect, even though they had a whole bunch of things go wrong with them. Steph had the two significant injuries. Where do you think their confidence level is with this roster right now, Kendra? I mean, the, the Jordan pool trade was essentially an, an admission Mm-hmm. that last year was a problem. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that has been fixed? Obviously they got to be healthy. It goes without saying that, right. that, that Steph's got to be healthy, but this is, this is this still a team as you look at out there and, and, and that they can do that. And, that, and are they mm-hmm. motivated by the way last year went down? I think they are. And, and for two reasons, one, the Jordan pool thing absolutely was just that cloud and, and they, didn't admit it during the regular season and I understand why but after they lost to the Lakers in in the conference semis they did right they're like we never recovered from what happened literally like just almost a year ago now um and that completely as we could see on the court that completely impacted the way that they were on the court that the way that they acted in the locker room off the court all that stuff so I think by subtraction that's an addition The other thing that I think was a wake up call is when you think back to when the Warriors won the title in 2022, they had a, like, they started out amazing. The start of the year was, I think they were like 22 and one or something ridiculous like that. But then they had, they did have all these tests where Steph was injured. And then, you know, Clay was still coming back. Draymond was injured with that, that back issue. Right. But all of a sudden it just clicked and they went on this magical run. And I think that some of their thinking last season was the same. Well, it's okay if it's not, it's going to click because that's what we do. And then it never clicked. And so they're heading into this season with a little bit more understanding. We can't just sit here and like wait around for things to then click when it's time. Like we, and then we'll turn it on like we've done before because everyone else is getting better. It's, it's, they're not heads and shoulders above everyone as they used to be. So I think with those two things, they're going to take the regular season, the start of the season more seriously, and that's going to set them up for just more success in the long run. Yeah, they probably ought to mix in a few road wins this year too. That, that <laughs> you think, out. right? <laughs> Was that discussed at Maybe. all today? Uh, I know that it's, the defense is a big factor there. Yeah, it's been discussed not as much today, but when we spoke with Steve Kerr and Mike Dunleavy Jr. last week, it was discussed and, and I've spoken to you know them on the side too. And it this the stats are just like ridiculous mm. when you look at the splits from last year. And you know, you always just ask, I feel like a broken record asking like, well, why? Well, I feel like a child when you're trying to give a child like an explanation of something and they just keep asking you, but why is that? But why is that? That was literally me. It's like, okay. Um, and it, again, I think all of it kind of comes down to the same thing. There was a lack of focus, lack of execution. I think a bit of a lack of caring. And 
those bad habits then just turned into like their norm. They do have for, uh, like nine road games to start the year, which is a lot. And some of them are against teams that could sneak up on you. you know, Denver, that's not a sneaky team, but they're going to Denver. They're going to Cleveland. They're going to OKC. They're going to Sacramento. They're going to New Orleans. Like these are teams that can bite them. And so I think that this first month or so is going to be a true litmus test to to how they are this year. Did Steph talk at all about his summer of Steph tour, making holes oh, in man. and winning golf tournaments and going to Dubai and when did he just on- to cover golf? <laughs> Listen, no, I just, asked Steph, I was like, how was your thorough, summer? Thorough reporter. Yeah. Sorry, I asked, Tanner, I was like, how was your summer? And he was like, he's just beaming. Oh my God. I think Steph was a little sad to show up to work today, honestly, because <laughs> he was just, in, yeah, he was in Dubai like a week ago. I'm like, gee, okay. Thanks for the invite. But you know, living life. Yeah. He's still, um, his attitude is still, he's, he's, his attitude hasn't changed. And so that's, <laughs> no. uh, that's a good thing. And I look forward to watching him play. So, um, what is it? Year 15 for him now or something 15. like that? Oh yeah, boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Kendra, thanks for coming on. Give us some insight about the Warriors. McMahon, thanks for hanging through. We had we did nine. We All did right. nine teams Ooh. from sea to shining sea uh, across the, 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 the spectrum of uh, the NBA uh, media days. Um, lots more to come as we get going. Uh, poor Jackson, our producer, has now got to produce this whole podcast. If you made it all the way to the end, give yourself a gold star, Hoop Collective uh, listeners. And um, we'll be talking to you soon with a little bit less, but always more. Thank you for listening. I don't know what that means, but adios, amigos. Adios, amigos.